Adjudicator episode. Hello and welcome to the fourth and final heat of series one of Slash Dupe, the mysterious movie pitching podcast with a twist. In today's episode, we'll be pitting the winning ideas from six of our previous episodes against each other in a pitching showdown to find out which one idea goes straight into the finals taking place at the end of the season. Which the eagle-eared among you will recognise is almost here. I'm Sean, and with me are Ryan and Dan, and together we'll be pitching the previous six Slash Dupe winners to our adjudicator today. Our adjudicator today is perfect for our final heat. It's Sam Pei, a dear friend, actor, podcaster with the extremely popular Song by Song. And similarly to myself, he studied film, theory, and history at university. So Mm. welcome, Sam. How do you think that your experiences thus far will colour or taper your... Your judgments today as our adjudicator. Oh, well, I'm, I'm an extremely nerdy and uh, academically minded person. Uh, I've said before that, you know, my own podcast is run with, with zero charm, zero affection, zero <laughs> personal energy. It's all about the research. <laughs> right. So I'm going to be taking an extremely hard line on all of these, all of these pitches. Uh, I really want to tear them apart, break them down to their core elements, really, you know, yeah. analyze what they bring to the table what they can bring to an audience so i think mm-hmm. i think really i'm here to be you know the, the nasty nick the uh, the the mean guy i'm here to be you know the the, the gordon ramsay of the four adjudicators fucked, i'm right? scared <laughs> I'm, i like ooze positivity i don't I listen know. boys i've been on sam's podcast so i know the truth i actually at one point described things using just sexual noises yes. so it's fine it was, wow. but 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 we only kept in the very best sexual noises. <laughs> so you know, it's, it's, I, I I demand quality from all things. Yes, I yeah, will only ever give you quality noises. sexy yeah. noises, <laughs> Sam. Hey. So these core these core things, Sam, that you're going to uh, analyze and break down and 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 let the cream rise to the top. Are you? Is it is it okay that we come up with them on the fly? Because I don't think any of us can remember well, the previous I'm, hold, six hold horses. I pitches. can. I got. You can? I got yeah, but you know, like when we play D and D, you know yeah, what I'm like with the, the recalls. Trap. Like, I get them That's on point. True. No, I think this is going to be good. I think that you know the personal energy that you all bring is going to be very important. I am up on the material. I've spent the last uh, forty eight to seventy two hours listening through to all of the the relevant oh, episodes, uh, making sure that I've heard not just your pitches but also the original pitches from you know the original uh, offerings. Um. But I think it's all about that synthesis, that fusion mm-hmm. of, you know, the carefully crafted, the the well-written, the the, the finely honed pitch. And also <laughs> then the, the the moment, you know, the, the spur of the moment idea, the energy that you come up with, you know, in any individual moment. Mm-hmm. I think that is more listening than Dan's <laughs> wife and Sean's partner listen put together. <laughs> Yeah, or perhaps this, even our previous adjudicators entire uh, run combined. Yeah, like uh, I say, it's all research, sure. no charm, no no, no affection, <laughs> just yeah. research. Yeah, you've what? just got a bit on your uh, script that says ch- insert charm here at, at, the, at the ideal moment. Sure, sure, absolutely. <laughs> Um, right, so, well, considering this is the final heat and there are no more mainline numbered entries in this season, uh, Ryan, can you please tell me what happens to today's eventual winner? What happens when Sam has deigned this this to be the winner, this sure. idea to be the winner? So this is the fourth instalment of the Adjudicator rounds, the heats that we've been doing. And we've been, we've been saying this every episode and we, we keep getting it wrong. But in the previous three Adjudicators, we've had one winner that's been picked out of the six ideas 
previously. So we did 1 to 6, 7 to 12, uh, 13 to 18, and now we're doing oh, Danny, 19 to always, 24. Why does he make it so complicated? Because I like time. it. I like it. I feel you like ask in him my first, head, and then you end up asking me again just to tell you. Yeah, yeah, you know, just thought just to get people understanding. So after this episode, we will have the fourth. Uh, in fourth entry that will go into the grand finals and then we will pick two more as wild cards to go in and we'll do a final grand final adjudicator heat to pick a winner which dan what are we going to do with it <laughs> we're apparently going to make a trailer of it yeah and I, i've I, been enjoying every Sean time first... dan mentions the trailer his voice goes up just a few 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 <laughs> That's the sound of my testicles rising <laughs> into my body. I mean, out of doing of it. the three main stays, you know, you're the actor. You're going to have to be doing a lot of the main stuff. What, what you know? are we gonna, that's we're gonna, probably what? why my testicles are rising you're the because actor. that stuff will go onto the internet. Yeah. While we do one of these, one of these winning pitches. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, we're going to do yes. a Norbit, aren't we? What I've affectionately called to us, uh, uh, what I affectionately call a Norbit, where we're going to, you're going to play all of the characters. Is that right, oh, Dan? Is that geez. what we've agreed? Well, I'm, I'm happy for it. <laughs> yeah, let's let's see if that works. Let's cross it's the animation one. That's going to be funny, to. isn't it? <laughs> I, look, before we before we go, I've I have something to say. Right, I have something to say. A gripe, if you will. Mm-hmm. I have not had an entry into an adjudicator heat since round one right and i now have to resign myself to the fact that i am like the last marathon runner in the olympics i've gotten you know it's still a high class still um, the olympics yeah. still the olympics but i'm last in the marathon you know i had one Didn't, right you got one on the way to the finals though have you got one that's gone all the way to the no, finals ab- bob did bob disposal bob disposal episode one that's it and that got kicked out of the grand that got kicked out oh. of the first adjudicator heat very quickly so I haven't had anything, oh, and it says. was and it was probably the idea that's brought most people to tears, you know. <laughs> no, a lot of your ideas have brought people to tears, Ryan. Yeah, I have yeah. To say. Um, um, For uh, right, let me refer- let me rephrase that then. <laughs> the ideas of like the idea, the f- Bob disposal brought people to tears in like a good sentimental way you need to be thinking of this like a race and every sports person knows that you raise your game to meet the level of your opponent so clearly ryan you've been providing an exceptional level of opposition for all of these other fantastic (laughs) pitches to to soar to success and that's why sam's here that's very true so what we do is uh in turn we will draw one of the previous winning films at random uh with approximately two minutes to give the elevator pitch to sam uh, we'll we'll give the synopses to you as I uh, gave it in those uh, uh, in the episode where it won. So uh, after that, Sam will whittle the brief pitches down to two final ideas, ones that you, Sam, really want to know more about. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan, Ryan, and myself will then. That's when we actually come together and we'll collectively, uh, jointly pitch those uh, two ideas to you uh, for you to adjudicate on the final winner for today. I'm looking the, forward to it. I'm I, I'm seeing myself very much in like the role, almost like a a, a script doctor for this. You yes, know? I, I want to be hard. Yeah. I want to be like you know. I okay. want to whittle those options down. But then I'm all about coming together, finding the problems, and then honing a perfected solution for both of these uh, these final pitches. Okay. Yeah, in I'm advance, very I want to apologise to anyone's pitch that I get. That's, I'm just saying. Well, one of them is your own that's pitch. That's the I know, and I apologise to myself because I'm just going to let myself down. Overdue, here. I feel that. <laughs> it's true. Uh, okay, well, uh, I guess it would start with uh, you spinning the wheel, Ryan. Well, who's, um, who's, who's going first? 
Well, normally, what do we normally do? I don't know, hold on, let's not I think we do alphabetical. We normally do Dan... We go alphabetical. It's alphabetical, It's alphabetical, guys. It is alphabetical, even Sam Fuck's sake. Okay, so we go alphabetically around, which means it starts with Dan, as always. I mean, he is the oldest. So he's had seniority. It's also true. That's very true. Okay, I shall spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. Sam, I think... I mean, you you have listened to the previous episodes. There are noises that accompany the 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 wheel. Who have sure. you picked to mm. to give a noise and and in what manner? Uh, I would I would love um, Dan if you could make a noise uh, like like a a whirling dervish, please. So good I mean, it cut think, out. That's, I think that's, I might yeah, that's, my mic. I'm yeah, just gonna do that again beyond about, Zoom's about capacity <laughs> to absorb. <laughs> No, it's gone. Still too much. Could it work slightly less? No, still going. The software thinks that it's like there's some sort of actual whirling (laughs) dervish in the background. (laughs) I can tell you now. I can tell you now that Audacity has handled both both of those lines. I believe it. I believe in you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, well, you have been given episode twenty, which was River House, won by Alexander Bean. Okay. Voice of Good Morning Britain. Yes, a very sexy voice. And a very um, sexy cast. I don't want to get involved in your pitch, Dan, but I've just... Yes. Oh, yeah. So we've got the synopses in front of us that I uh, gave at the end of the episode when I was just given a rundown. Before I picked a winner, I gave a rundown of the uh, of each uh, pitch. Uh, mm. And here we have uh, Alexander Bean's pitch for Riverhouse. That was episode 20. Yeah, so um, Riverhouse... Alexander Bean. Um, They're working in the same company where they shed their corporate setting for a sunny holiday from America to Cancun. They found out while they're there that America is at war with another superpower and Mexico is their adversary. With America under attack, they are grounded in Mexico and need to make their way home via a safe house, an operation known as River House. A timely twist of the refugee story, something where you watch ordinary people and that makes it grounding. That has not helped me in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> it's, it's bad, isn't it? And that's my it's, fault. I mean, it's, I take it's full awful. responsibility for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. quite dry. Um, it's, quite dry. it's a whole bunch of words <laughs> that don't make sense. Can I also say that at the end, so Ryan takes some wholesale from, from the episode, and when I read it back, I was like, wait, you watch Ordinary People and that makes the story of refugees grounding. Like, yes. unless, and what like, is an ordinary person? Refugees aren't normal people. I know. So I was like, oh my God, I've cancelled myself. So I'm embarrassed by this. So you need to rescue this pitch. Uh, I, and, and honestly, I'm not entirely sure how I can do this, um, but uh, the cast just, list might work. Just before me. you're going to go see the, the, the script doctor, aren't yeah. you? You're going to go see the fixer. Yes, yes. Yeah. Bring me your problem down. So, I'm going to need a lot of help with this one, I think. So just okay. just before before you walk in, um, Sam, do you want to do you want to give us uh, set the scene for us? Where yeah, is the script sure. doctor? I'm a problem solver, guys, but it doesn't leave me much time for you know social niceties or or you know a, a comfortable working environment. So come down to the basement where uh, you know I spend all day every day working over a hot typewriter. There's <laughs> pens behind every ear that I have available. There's <laughs> piles of scripts behind with vicious red slashes all the way through the, the fat and then just a stack of neatly typed, perfected script pitches on the side of the desk. There's mm-hmm. cigarette smoke. There's something very sticky on the floor. There's 
possibly a few pigeons <laughs> that may assault you. But mm. come to me with your problems. I'm 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 ready to work. The doctor is in. <laughs> Dan, your two minutes start now. Two minutes. God, this is gonna be the longest. <clears throat> Hi, Sam. Go on. Hey, Dan. Um, do you do you smoke? I, no, not I at all. Knew. Just something okay. out of the room. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you mind if I just move this pile of paper? Is Good that luck okay? to you. Just yeah. To I mean, you sit know, down. Thanks. That's quite, quite heavy. But yeah, sure. Whatever. Quite heavy. Um, so uh, I've got this mole that I'd. I think different it might doctor. be two blood clots. Different doctor. Close to it. Oh, <laughs> different okay. Doctor. Right. Fine. Um, so I've got a script. I've got a script. Yeah. My friend gave it to me, mm-hmm. um, and I thought you were the man to see. It's called River House. Love it. That's, I mean, that's pretty much it. That's all you need, right? Yeah. What have you got? Um, oh, okay. So uh, picture this, picture the scene. Uh, company, like like a Google kind of company, big corporate. They all go for a trip to America, uh, to Mexico. Let's say Mexico. They're having a yeah. lovely time. Having a lovely time. It's like a team building exercise, whatever. Boom. America's at war. And with Mexico. Mexico. Okay. Well, I think Mexico are like in in cahoots. Okay. Because Mexico versus America probably not a great um not fair war. <laughs> I don't want to say Russia because that's probably a little bit too on the nose. But um let's think it's something something of that level. Okay. Um, which makes Mexico a bad place to be. Um suddenly lovely, happy trip has turned into nightmare, nightmare scenario, and they're worried they're gonna be taken hostage. Um, so they, they've got to make their way back. Um, and obviously with Donald Trump's new wall, impossible to just go across the land. So um, there's this safe house uh, operation called River House, and they're just going to try and get there via the river. Um, hijinks ensue, but by hijinks, I mean like deadly danger. Right. Um, and maybe there's something in sort of team building exercises that comes out. Um, but I am going to pitch you the cast, which is more important. Got like Mars Teller, Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith yeah. Stanfield, Lupita Nyong'o, Elizabeth Olsen, Stephen Burkoff, and Sebastian Stan. And to be honest, I think he's got a lot of them on board already. Okay. Um, I'm just coming to bring it to you because I, I, if I'm honest, I haven't read it, but I'm pretty sure he's um, he, he's done a good job there. I reckon. There's stuff time. to work with. Definitely. We'll meet. We'll talk. We'll talk. Thanks for your time, by the way, Sam. Um, I actually think my mole's gone now. I think I caught it on something. And <laughs> thanks. I might need to get a plaster. Thanks for your time. Pleasure. Any questions on that one? What's Burkoff doing in there? I think he was going to be like some kind of um, military sergeant, question. wasn't he? I think he was going to be like a like an American sergeant that had been taken over. He's like the leader of the... I want to say he's the leader of the gotcha. military. Not in the I, office, though. He's not from that office scenario. I don't or... think he's from the office. I think okay. he's one are of the we, ones that are we allowed to, are You we allowed would know to better re- than I would, to be honest. Are we allowed to re-enlighten? I can... Yeah. Well, sure oh, okay. we're saying we're not doing that. Are we not doing that? Well, I mean, if you can remember, there's nothing wrong with I reminding so us why Stephen Burkhoff was supposed to be in there. We want to do the, the person who pictures want to justice. Do them justice. justice. So it was, yeah, yeah. It was more that they, they were at the hotel for the team building. And I think there was some like inter-office relationship kind of stuff going mm. on there. Obviously, People, obviously that's going to But they out. met, um, when it, the attack happened, they met a CIA contact, uh, who I think was Burkhoff, who right. was okay. then trying to get them to Operation River House, which was like a okay. place where they could secretly cross from Mexico back into the US. It was like a CIA safe house. And so they met them either at the hotel or 
or something like that. And so that's where, mm-hmm. and it was like people sort of how people in those social scenarios, like they want to get back and see their family, you know, are they worried? Right, too much now. I want Dan to answer the rest of this. This is too good. We've <laughs> yeah, got to yeah, test yeah. Dan's knowledge of this. Do we, that did, did the original pitch have any like, uh, turn revelation like obviously you mentioned the idea of the team building exercise that Mm. they've been working on feeding into what they end up needing to do in order to get out of mexico is there an eternal revelation that was baked into this you know as a i think the the interrelationships things that were going on like office politics and uh sort of sordid relationship maybe some kind of personal relationship would have a turn and have a a result and an an impact on their journey but like this, these average guys, and then average Joe, which makes them more ordinary circumstances. refugees, basically. Okay, yeah. more relatable because because they are white and not ordinary. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yes, not being sent to Rwanda. Gotcha, mm. gotcha. Um, and uh, was there any discussion about like the 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 geopolitical impact? What Mexico is wanting from this war? What the what America is? I think uh, they've accused- just. I think what's happened is they got pulled into a, an alliance um, with whichever superpower. I don't think the superpower was discussed. Okay, which particular one? It was just the one Mexico might be on the side of. It was someone versus line. America, and and. The Mexico, Mexico side with the verses. Okay. Mm-hmm. Reminds enough. me of, um, I don't know if you guys are aware of, I don't think it's too big a spoiler that in Top Gun Maverick, they just refer to the enemy as the enemy, right? Which sure, is quite perfect. an interesting sort of thing. It sort mm. of ne- neutralizes it sort of politically and allows it to be a bit le- bit more timeless. So maybe because, because they're trying to shoot down the guys who are distributing the new musical express obviously that's the subtext of uh, (laughs) the original top gun as well i always felt okay um uh the cast you got uh were there any discussions of director is this a straight down the line thriller or was this something with a spin visual i think it's meant to feel a bit like argo actually okay that's probably my touch point for that brutal gritty but with a slightly unusual twist on that straightforward in that it's, yeah it's, it's less people that would be ready for this kind of thing yeah, which sure. you know and people that have to have to work together to get out there yeah okay and i think uh, to, not to sort of just to give alexander bean his due i think it was like um watching actors that you sort of you know quite interesting colorful cast of actors but americans having to go through what uh uh perhaps an average refugee might have to go through that experience gotcha. puts the audience in that mm. position and by the end of it hopefully you know they would have come maybe out understand it. them a yeah. bit more yeah sort of feeling like they understand what was, yeah, exactly uh, what the, was strife, the name of the film struggle. with carrie whatever her name was where she with like bo burnham in it i can't remember what's the name of that young oh, promising woman young or something. promising woman right yeah i think is that what it was called someone yeah. once described to me like the 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 men in that were interestingly chosen because they're not generally they're portrayed as playing a lot of nice guys so it was interesting to see that so that kind of similar um, compromise of seeing actors that never really have to play a refugee gotcha okay. having to be in that kind of scenario inverting mm. the tropes that yes. we would typically yes. see okay I feel like I've got I've got some thoughts about that I'm uh, the doctor's ready to move on. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. So uh, the doctor is ready for the second pitch. So that'll be you, Ryan, if we're going alphabetically. Okay. Uh, who do you want to do the noise, Sam? Uh, I would like Sean to do mm. uh, a noise very much like uh, uh, Coca-Cola circling the plug hole. Okay. Oh. 
Disappointing. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Promise so much, delivered so little. Nothing more disappointing than Coca-Cola circling the I don't know. I think I think I think I could have done that. That was very esoteric. I think I could have done that. You need those you need those improv classes, mate. Yeah, yeah. Get me them for for my birthday. Done. Okay, uh, mine has been chosen. I have got Into the Fire, episode 23, which was uh, Molly Grace Cutler, uh, mm-hmm. one of the, the first in our, our Grindhouse double feature. And let me read you the synopsis of this one because it's hilarious. Mm. Uh, an animated film inspired by Okja about a forest fire where within the forest lies a magical creature. It's Studio Ghibli-inspired... And a family have to save this creature and save the planet. It's also called Madu, and it looks like a kangaroo, a koala, and a bear. And at the end of it, the Indonesian children burn to death. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that bit. I do remember that bit. <laughs> so that stuck in my head. <laughs> yes. So does someone else want to get a timer up for me and let me know when I'm ready, and uh, I shall go. Uh, your two minutes begin now. Just come busting through the door with my own cigarettes. Doctor, Whoa there. Whoa there. fetch the anaesthetist. That's a a, a um, Ent Shikari joke, if, if you know what I'm going on about. I got one for you, right? I got one for yeah. you. Speaking of cigarettes, speaking of fire, into mm. the fire, right? This is my scripts. Love okay? it. There are, it's, it's subtly about eco-terrorism, right? Now, a lot of people don't like it you know at the minute what's going on with uh people gluing themselves to trains or whatever they call that eco-terrorism that's not really eco-terrorism is it that's just peaceful disruption this is about in indonesia you know the ring of fires maybe some lava or whatever we can work that out in the script later on but mm-hmm. as a family sort of think the wild form breeze but <laughs> <laughs> think wild form breeze but like in the in the but less funny um you know and a bit more sort of like serious down to earth going around indonesia sort of saving working with small villages bringing them sort of that humanitarian aid but the thing is they're not getting it all the big companies are still there like ripping down trees and all that kind of stuff right so they're in there and this one little girl she goes in and she finds this spirit now you have to imagine it kind of looks like a kangaroo and a koala and a bear and i know a koala is a bear anyway but this is like part koala and then part bear as well so totally different species there you go see that's why i come to you doc you already know (laughs) So that's what it looks like. And it's going to be like the, this kid sees it and it realizes it's, it's intrinsically part of all the of all the spirit of all the of all the forest. And they're trying to actually save it against the big evil companies right that are there. And then these forest fires happen. And then you're thinking, oh, it must be the is it the people? Is it the company? What is it? They've got to get in there and save this this kangaroo thing. Um, and then unfortunately, the child is trying to save the kangaroo saves it but dies in the end because we need some tragedy in this. You think it's going to be one of the parents or the companies or someone like that, but it's got to be the kid. It's got to be the kid that dies. And the that's kid. what I'm ending on. Boom. What a, what a, what a note to finish a children's animated feature on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, is, the, uh, is the length of the tail of this animal unacceptable in any way? Is that... <laughs> I'm really keen it, that the length of the tail is totally acceptable for a mainstream audience. I think it, it needs it needs to be like an actual kangaroo tail, right? You know, gotcha. they can't okay. move. If you lift the kangaroo tail up, it can't go nowhere. No, true. It needs to be like that. It needs to move it. We all, 
uh, fantasized about being hugged by Car the Snake from Jungle Book. You know? <laughs> sure, like this isn't therapy. I'm embrace. not that kind of doctor either, but sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm saying that um, I think it needs to feel like it needs to still move around with the tail. Unacceptable. Okay. Maybe maybe it's undeterminable. It looks big. It looks small. You know, you Non-specific just length. Okay, non-specific length, yeah. I understand. Um, I think this is interesting. Um, I like some of the extremity of it it brings to mind the uh the sequence from uh, fantasia 2000 the rite of spring sequence which drew on a lot of that studio ghibli imagery where you have the spirit of the forest and then a, a phoenix that sets fire but that's part of the circle of life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that brought it to a more positive resolution i do think the negative end the burning the children to death at the end yeah. is that's a hard sell um is this aimed the, at children? The spirit lives. The spirit lives. <coughs> gotcha. I think it's aimed, at, it's aimed at the same kind of people that wanted to see that disaster film with young Tom Holland in it. It's chaos Impossible. Walking. <laughs> chaos Walking. Yeah, that was a disaster film. <laughs> Different sort of disaster. <laughs> um, I think it's it's one of those ones where it looks, it's kind of like you, you, you wouldn't take your kids to it, but it would be, it'd look like it's a teen drama for socially, uh, ecologically aware teens okay all right right and that's and they're seeing that the the damage that these fires have you know they i think the spirit gets saved at the end but the girl dies where you normally see it the other way around like in yeah. uh, uh inside out when old yeah, snufflepuff sure. or whatever his name has to go <laughs> i away. like that inversion i do like that inversion i get the main thrust of that primary a story creature discovered trauma death but the possibility of things going forward hmm. I don't feel like you've told me like the 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 ins and outs, the B plot, the uh, so the, the texture fa- the of the father, whole film. The father is uh, is the eco terrorist, right? He's the one setting the fires against right. like the big company, the evil companies that are, like log- the loggers. Let's call them the loggers, yeah. right? Those kind of companies, logging companies. And so, in the end, he's no wait. Logging's fairly sustainable, though, isn't it? No, like it's not. It's not no, perfect, it's, but it's, it's more. Sust- it's not only let's when say it's... big oil. Everybody hates big oil fracking. Yeah, okay, shale. That's the the shale oiling in it. Let's let's call it that. But okay, fair enough. So the fires is is. Uh, so the fire is... is not the problem. The fire no, is he's, like he's the actual the fire. The fire oh, right. kills the do- the 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 child, and but no one else knows that he's the one setting the fires, and he's left ultimately the end with his guilt of this spirit and not his own daughter. Is this effectively making eco-terrorism the bad Wrong. guy, the ultimate bad guy mm, yeah. of this story? Any form of terrorism, even if it's eco, it's not good. Okay. The far left are as bad as the far right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm going to uh, let that, that the one live statement. entirely <laughs> in your voice. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, that's an interesting thing. And we're tying this obviously to, you know, we're not, we're not making this equivalent to... <laughs> <laughs> this is not like Extinction Rebellion, you know, version two, set fire and kill some yeah. small children in the... Okay. Set fires, you kill small children, so don't set fires. And also okay. don't be shale oiling as well. So like as a, a, a feature film PSA, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's got, it's got a message. Fire starters, don't start fires. Okay, gotcha. 
Okay. Can I say I, I this is like... a very measured uh, pitch, considering the the mania of the actual pitch itself when it was being constructed by Molly. So yeah. this is Molly like... got pretty extreme from from what I recall yeah. of the episode. Yeah. Right? There was a lot of shouting about how kids were not welcome. Would die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> were not yeah. welcome. Yeah. It was. It was both amusing and terrifying in one mm. fell swoop <laughs> it was it was recorded at like two o'clock in the morning so there might have been a lot of coffee stroke sugary drinks mm. that might have um might have edited into that i think mm. don't start fires don't stay up late so that's the uh, that's yeah, the message exactly. i'm getting from this pitch. <laughs> don't be a terrorist <laughs> don't be a, the three rules <laughs> hey, look it's it's, it's one of the questions it's one of the questions on an esther if you've ever been to america is literally, are you a terrorist? Are you a terrorist? <laughs> yep. Yep. I wonder how many people got caught out by that. Probably. Yes. Oh! <laughs> Quite a few. Surely. Yes. Surely one right. or two. Cheers. Cheers, Doc. Okay. Thank you very much. Just make sure you talk to someone about that car dream, because that's... That shit's not right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. I think we're... Uh, I'm ready for mine. Uh, we just Go need it, the, uh, the person and the sound. Mm. Ryan, can you do this one like um, someone accidentally dropping a microphone during a podcast recording, please? Sure. Okay. Um, I'll spin the wheel and I'll do it. Okay, here's your... Bu- oh, 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 just... Oh, oh. Hello? Did yeah, I get that's it? Fine. That's great. Brilliant, brilliant. I genuinely okay. despair where, like, when he moved his mic, even as a joke. I'm like, don't do it. Something you'll disconnect. Sorry, sorry. I don't. I don't want to drop a clang. But um, on my current show, um, there was there's a member of cast who um, plays a tambourine during a number, um, and they managed to drop it, like completely drop it, um, in the most beautiful fill in time with the music really? you couldn't you couldn't play it if you had the tambourine in your hand it went <laughs> and it was just in perfect we, we almost stopped the show for the applause for that tambourine solo it was amazing as as they were sort of juggling it in the air it was just beautiful not a lot of tambourine solos in musical theater <laughs> no but that one has to stay it worked perfectly Okay, so Sean, you have been given episode 22, that is 30 mics, and that was Mm -hmm. winner of Taj. Oh yeah. Yes, friend of the pod, Taj, um, very kindly came on, uh, 30 mics, Um, I was envisaging a sort of... um, uh, a military theme, and we had a few military themes with the pitch, Um, but for this one, uh, Taj picked a really really interesting uh really really interesting one he also will chuck up like he'll listen to every episode and he'll put up in sequence his ideas for every every other episode every other slash sheet we've had super fan right so an organized Absol- man after my own heart <laughs> yeah <laughs> so just with more time um but he uh yeah he always does a fantastic job we're always looking for more people to sort of um to, to fill that to fill that in as well um right so i'll give you the synopsis um 30 Mikes is a psychological thriller horror with vertigo and rear window vibes. A writer with writer's block uses 30 microphones to spy on his neighbours and funnel their lives into his stories until he is offered a sick and twisted series of choices by a mysterious third party. So that's the, that's the pitch. Gotcha. Sean. <coughs> Because the smoke in the smoke in the room, right? 
yeah, smoke. Yeah, yeah, that was that getting was, into yeah, character. Don't Very cut clear. that out, Dan. That was, that drawing, was acting there. That was good drawing sure. an, an audio picture for everyone. <laughs> um, your two uh, minutes, Sean, starts now. Thank you. Hello, Doc. Um, I've got a problem. I've got a great idea, um, but it's got some holes in it. Uh, I've got some issues. That's what I'm here for. Thank you. Um, and thank you for seeing me uh, at such short notice. Uh, the Your receptionist is is horrible. Yeah, is that really, really okay. unpleasant. That's really normal, unpleasant human That's, being. Well, yes. it's not normal, but it is usual, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, so... Oh, I like I like how you've you've got everything. You've got it, like whiteboards across the wall, chalkboards, post-it notes. You've got the lot. I mean, is, is it all f- for one project? What's going on here? No, all the projects, and they're really uh, dangerously affixed to the wall. So this whole thing could come down on our heads at any minute. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll be quick. Um, so I, I've got an idea. Where um, do you you must have seen Kimmy by Steven Soderbergh recently? A re- mm-hmm. Like a really sort of like a fantastic modern retelling of like those seventies thrillers, the sort of or seventies eighties, the sort of the conversation blowout, all those sorts of yeah, films. Yeah, yeah. Really, really had that vibe. But it, uh, I think at the same time, it hit this post pandemic thing. I mean, it just had everything going on. And I was thinking, Doc, as as, as well as you, like we want to ride that trend, right? We want to keep going. Yeah. Um, and I also think. What made that work is like David Kep's like had a little bit of a panic room thing at the end, like he did like a, it had a twist. So I really want to take half and half. I want to have like the second half be like Saw and the first half be like, I don't know, Rear Window or Kimmy or something like that, right? So you really want this idea of um, everybody loves writers. Everybody's got a story in them, they say. So this writer's struggling. He's looking out. He's spying on his neighbors, and he's making he's making he's making money. He's he's making money off of these things, off of these people, these real people, um, exploiting their lives. It's kind of similar to how the technology exploits the lives in in Kimmy, you know. Like so, he's exploiting their lives for his own profit. There's some yeah. sort of parallel with the, with the modern uh, the modern day there. Um, and then somebody comes in. He doesn't know who at this stage. And and makes him. I hope this is me trying to remember now. Makes him uh, try and go around the building, um, and he has to do certain tasks for this person. They're like a taskmaster, like a like a jigsaw type. And we okay. can create a franchise out of this. Like, we can keep going. We can create so many different tenement blocks, apartment blocks all over the world, right? With a different vibe. The ones the ones in Eastern Europe, Poland, and everything are fantastic. The way that they're structured. So anyway, so it makes him go from door to door. Um, doing various sick and twisted sort of like saw-like games in order to actually save the lives of the people that are there. That's time. What would you think, Doc? What's it called, Sean? What's it called? It's called 30 Mics. I love it. I'll be in touch. (laughs) Is that... That's 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 it. it. I just just go? That's it. Don't talk to George on your way out. He's, no, he's really unpleasant, like you said. Really genuinely unpleasant. Nasty, nasty guy. Yeah, horrible. Um... Okay, see you later. Cool, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, yeah, what do you what do you think about this one? Because I, uh, there was a lot of detail in the pitch. There was a I lot of detail. Of yeah. yeah. There were like eight or nine rules for um, yeah. how yeah. Uh, the guy, the writer would interact with everyone. I remember mm-hmm. Taj laying out. Mm. Um, and there was quite a complex, like, set up as well there was something about the previous tenant or the previous owner of this flat 
moving out, but then he yeah. was the one who was crawling around in the crawl spaces it, it around. It was the yeah. person who lived on the roof was in the crawl spaces. I think we said ah. Doug Jones was the actor that yes. was going to play him. Mm. I'm a big fan of Doug Jones. What's mm. interesting is... And the protagonist was a climber as well. That was really important. Oh, yeah. Yes, oh, so he was get from building to gonna, building, He was going to yeah. climb from building to building or something, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I sort of... I, I remember... I, I, I sort of like... Because you think sometimes you load too many things into these movies, but I think it's just in the explaining that makes it sound complicated. What you really do want at the end is you do want to know who this villain is. You want that connection, right? So whilst I'm not fully sold on, like, maybe it's the guy who owned the apartment before, or, but you do definitely want that. Everybody wants that little twist at the end. They go, oh, he's connected in this way, you know? So figuring out yeah. that way is maybe what we haven't got. But Maybe it's Fight Club and it's himself. <laughs> That's a big twist, yeah. Okay. And he leaves himself messages. But then there was a lot of actual sends him to death, himself. wasn't there? There was like the 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 elevator shaft like blew and someone yeah. died. And, but you know, maybe he's doing it to himself to justify killing all these people that he's listened in on for all this time and thinks they're horrible. The classic sort of machinist uh, sort of thing where it's you know it's all in his head. He's dealing mm-hmm. with his previous trauma, that sort of thing. The thing know, maybe he had a climbing accident. The mm. thing that I feel so, about this is that there's like, it's 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 four films, like almost in sequence, right? Like it starts off as the conversation and mm. then becomes Rear Window and then goes to Saw. And if we then turn it into Fight Club as well, with possibly like Man on a Wire <laughs> yeah. thrown in there somewhere what, in the middle. What could go wrong? Vertical Limit. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. And yeah. I feel like all set in a high rise apartment block you get a certain sense of the raid as well where it's just Mm. here's another thing here's another element oh here the stakes are raised again it's intense um and having heard taj break it down Mm. i don't envy you sean because i think taj put in (laughs) a huge amount of information a huge amount of detail yeah um yeah, huge amount of work. I, and I, I think, you, if I may, like I also th- like maybe if you sh- if you strip a lot of the sort of the 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 back end out. So I think a lot of it works, but maybe you strip down. Maybe I know he liked the rules, but maybe you actually mm. take that out or leave that for a sequel or a different film or something. Um, it's a nice thing to have on the poster. It's a nice thing for people to think about when they think about the franchise of of, of the horror thing. But maybe just the idea that, like Rear Window on a on a scale of 20 people is maybe interesting. He's there's 20 different places where something is happening bad and he is, and he can only do what he can do from his apartment. Presumably as well, presumably as well, there's the idea that it's just the audio feed, right? Like, cause he's not looking out of his window to the neighboring block. It's the block of flats he lives in. So you've got 30 mics, you've got 30 audio feeds, but you don't yeah. have 30 visuals. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You're right. I've actually um, just, I've actually just thought of some marketing. I don't know whether it will, will sway it, but imagine <laughs> putting like, like, uh, in the Barbican building, like having a poster that's the size of the Barbican building with each flat, like being displayed of the actors that are in all 30 of them and him there. That'd be fucking I mean, great guerrilla marketing, wouldn't it? I mean, that is great. So I'm almost swaying and, and Taj might feel the sting of sort of when everything, when something changes medium, you always feel a bit sad. But if it moves into like a radio play or if it moves into something that's less visual and more more audio based um, or even theatre where he can listen, but but we can see, then maybe maybe the idea has, has legs there. 
the thing that I feel, because film doesn't necessarily have that that beautiful sense of, of interpretation and closure that radio and theatre does. There's an imaginative space that lives in other media that film is traditionally used. It, it, it's a show and tell or show not tell. Whereas here we're, we're, we're basically asking to be told about a whole mm. bunch of things. And if we include the idea of Fight Club or we include the idea even of ambiguity about what is real and what is staged, whether these audio feeds are genuinely coming from real people or whether he, does he have any corroboration, like there's a lot of intensity there. Yeah. Mm. But it needs a director who is laser focused on telling that story and telling it in a clear ABC way so that mm. the audience isn't lost at any point in these 30 rooms and uh, eight rules and uh, you know the history and the person on the roof and that kind of thing. Was there any discussion about the the director or the the visual approach to this? Do you know what <laughs> I recall there being quite an in depth conversation about the director, but I can't remember who it is. Um, no, I can't remember. I because I think did we say um, Fincher? Well, that's an that's Fincher's an obvious, an obvious choice, choice but, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. and I think that that. Taj had a really out, out there choice that was really interesting. Someone with a bit more sort of pep than I was thinking, I, if I recall. So maybe he had a different tonal idea in his head than I did um, about it being... And maybe that's it, the rules and the thing. It was more like a sort of a caper, if you will. Maybe that's yeah, what Taj sure. was doing. I like those I mean? like more, Less like, uh, less mm. like um, Saw, like I was thinking, and more like a sort of caper, how can I how can i like a heist almost how can i save these people in this by by only following these rules so okay yeah maybe something a I, think lighter. Had, I think i've got my um i think i've got the measure of it i think i've got my thoughts so sam you've heard the uh, first uh, block of pitches you've heard three you've heard um river house by alexander bean you've heard 30 Marks by Targe, and you've heard Into the Fire by Molly Grace Cutler. You've asked some good questions. Um, you've also listened to the episodes themselves, so we're not doing them a disservice by our pictures because you've, <laughs> you've, you know, you've done them a service by listening to them, uh, to their pictures uh, from them. So how are you feeling? What are, your, what are your thoughts on which one goes forward? I like the space in Riverhouse. I think there's a lot of opportunities to pull that in various different directions to tell stories which are allegorical. I like the intimacy of taking an everyday office situation and putting those characters into extreme situations i also think that that's a straightforward clean thriller concept and i would enjoy all sorts of people taking it in different directions i think that uh into the fire is batshit crazy and i'm <laughs> frightened of it yeah <laughs> and i think that 30 mics has a huge amount of information baked into the script and I think really it comes down to choosing between something that has space for interpretation, lives in existing clear genre, or whether it's something where you've got a lot of intricacy and basically it's a script-led project with dialogue and opportunities for cameos, but effectively a, a complicated, mm. rambling, uh, multifaceted narrative that tells its own story. Um, I love solving problems. I think that Taj has created a really complete object in itself. I don't see the problems to solve in it. So I am going to put forward Riverhouse. 
Ooh. Yes. Very nice. And even after that pitch and everything. Mm, mate, that pitch through. was brilliant. It left the space for creativity. <laughs> okay. Room for the spice. Well, that's great. So Riverhouse goes forward um, and very shortly we'll be uh, giving you the, the remaining three, Sam, so that we can see which one goes into the, uh, into the final. Bring it on. So, Sam, you've, uh, you've picked Riverhouse, uh, uh, an honourable uh, pick uh, by Alexander Bean. That goes forward, and now uh, it goes back round to Dan, um, and he will uh, be spun in to pitch uh, one of the remaining three. So we just need a, a noise and a, and a person. Noise of a, noise of a man having just finished a satisfying meal, rubbing his tummy. Mm. Here we go then. <sighs> beautiful, beautiful. Full picture oh, there. A little too much like orgasm, but you know, some people get that out of food, I guess. <laughs> they are the same thing for me. Very true. The exact same thing. Uh, <laughs> you have got, you've got, Dan, the final ever episode, episode 24, Out of oh, the Frying Pan by yes. Chris Coxon. Oh, oh this is a bloody doozy. This is a good one. I'm so glad I didn't get it as well, by the way, because it's, yeah. it's, I didn't want to fail Chris. Hi, Doctor. Do you want to read Dan. the synopsis first? Yeah, oh shit, yeah. I'll just jump in. I've got this. Okay. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. I'll see myself out. Sorry, I'm a bit George, early. George will deal with you there. <laughs> episode, episode 24, Out of the Frying Pan by Chris Coxon of Durham on Air. A 1950s musical, a Danny Kaye-style farce that revolves around Morris and his restaurant, The Flying Dutchman, and with Frankie, his stalwart companion, The Secret of the Flying Dutchman's Secret Source. But there's a twist when a cooking competition gets stirred in with a dollop of organised crime. Good. <laughs> I mean, that's that's all you need, right? Dan, your two minutes starts now. Hi, Doctor. Hey there, Dan. Um, I've, got, I've come for a reason. I've got a fever. I've got a fever for a musical film and I need more cowbell. Hit me. Um, right, picture this. Picture this. It's... Uh, family uh italian restaurant uh it's going really well it's kind of home home cooking done well but with a secret sauce secret sauce secret oh, yeah. splash of sauce in there um and uh standard fare so far you would think except it's a musical love it danny k style musical uh we already have some lyrics and some song ready um i can uh, beam you those uh, a bit later i'll check uh, my dropbox but here's the thing, here's the thing. Frankie, his loyal assistant, turns out to be a double crosser, or so we think. And um, someone's trying to take over, take over the restaurant. The gangsters, the mafia, want the restaurant. Mama they want to take a slice of the action. They want to know about this secret sauce so that they can sell it and, uh, and make money from it. So what they decide to do is throw... A cooking competition and they get um, someone to sabotage him at every opportunity so that he will lose the competition and lose his restaurant in the process meaning they can take over it without having to use any of their money make the money sell the secret sauce and win the day however because it's a musical uh, that doesn't happen he wins 
his his double crossing Frankie actually turns out to be a triple crossing uh, spy because she's fallen in love with him over the time. So while she's trying to mess him up, actually what she does is help him along the way. He wins the competition. He finds out that she wins. She, he wins her love, and everyone walks down the road into the sunset, clicking their heels, Morecambe style. So a bit like cats, then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. With more CGI. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, cats is literally the opposite. All old cats <laughs> dying. That's basically it. What a pitch, Dan. That was real. You did that real really justice. Good. That was amazing. Thanks. Yeah. That's because yeah. I knew that one. Chef's and, uh, and I loved it. Chef's Kiss should be the name Chef's of one of the songs. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing. Oh, it really does write itself, doesn't it? Um, mm. Okay. A uh, little bit of um, detail. Again, I, I did hear the episode. I heard some of the songs. I heard some of the... Extra, couldn't believe you know, he came up with them on the flight. It was yeah. phenomenal work. Really, really phenomenal impressive. work. Well, but there was also an awful lot of energy in that room. That's what I'm talking about, that 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 problem solving, you know. And there's a lot mm. of problems that I feel come up when you're trying to do that era of musical with farce uh, for a modern audience. There's loads of yes. things. But it mm. felt like there was enthusiasm to solve those problems, you know, from all directions. Mm-hmm. Here are, it gripped us, this one. Mm. Yeah. Here are the, the, the couple of questions I want to ping back at you. Mm. Um, Danny K musical, I have a lot of delight for them. Court Jester, beautiful. Yeah. But is it, like you talk about some of these films coming from a different era, from a different time. Yeah. Are they going to have to work for a modern audience? Are you literally saying now is the time is ripe for bringing the Danny K style musical back to a modern audience. That's what they want. Or is it from that time for the audience of that time? I I, th- I can answer this in two ways. Yeah. Number one, we have given the rule that it can be released at any period in okay, time. Gotcha. And I think this in its initial format would have flourished in its, in its prime, prime time. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the rise of, Lin-Manuel Miranda and we're starting to see more sorry more musical films yeah true. um yeah. I think we've we've started to give the collective psyche the idea that musicals aren't bad yes but we may have to take the spirit of a Danny Kane musical and turn it into a modern day version i.e with a little bit more hip-hop and <laughs> more sort of modern day farce although we we discussed this the other days I can't remember was it with you Sean that we're we're lacking farce as a thing um, well, I certainly agree you know, with sort of- that. It's definitely something that, like, because it is also quite relatable. I mean, I I didn't realise, I don't know if this is cr- true across the board, but my fiance is half Japanese and she absolutely loves, like, there's a f- something physical and something that is, like, understandable across, all, with no ne- language necessary. Yeah, 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 yeah. She loves it. I'm not sure if it's, like, a, you know, a, a cultural thing or if it's just, but we, I, also we can connect on that. So, so something that, so fast, I think, is... It, it, there are multiple layers to farce, of course, and there is a, like a you know more of a, uh, a an intellectual side. But also, I mean, watching the Marx Brothers now is as funny as I'm sure it was. You know, watching it when it first came out. So, and my dad recommended that to me, and then I sort of like you know would recommend that to other people, and 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 some of my favorite Monty Python sketches are some of the, you know, the more farcical ones. So I don't know. I think it. I think it holds up. I think it. I think it would. There's one key character I think you missed out, Dan, and that was the Maharaja 
wasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. The, yeah. Better than a bargee, yeah? Yes. yes. <laughs> better than a bargee, yeah. Where was it? It was world famous. It, that was the point. And it? in the world end, famous, yeah, world and famous. in the end, he's like, he finances it or something like that, wasn't it? He like, yeah. he takes it worldwide or something. He like comes that, back. Like. Yeah. I would, or to jump on the last point, I would kind of maybe posit the idea that um, modern day Disney films like Encanto mm. are dangerously close to that sort of slapstick entertainment where we can be a bit more fantastical about yeah, things. We can laugh at silly things. I mean, if thinking about um, pressure from Encanto, some of the things that are happening are larger than life and we're meant to half laugh at them whilst understanding the lyric. Mm. Um, riding a unicorn, for example, during the Middle Eight is ludicrous but but explains that character's sort of thought so i would say we'd start and maybe if it was an animated version for modern day that might make more sense because the characters could be more cartoony um or we find a new way of creating that fast for a modern day audience yeah and i think that animation is definitely leading the way i think about sequences from the jungle book earlier Disney films I think about sequences from like that golden age of musicals uh golden age of Disney from the early 90s where you didn't go into mm -hmm. fantasy you had fantastical situations a genie singing about all the things he can do but it's rooted within the reality of that character mm -hmm. yeah. Simba is singing in real locations there's occasionally like a splash of color and going up with the mm -hmm. the the, mm -hmm. the flamingos and the all of the different the animals the elephants and the giraffes and stuff yeah but yeah. in Encanto, we're going into properly abstract locations, even in stuff like, um, oh, what was the other one I thought of this the other day? But I, I feel like there's there's a more expressionistic palette that animation is yeah. getting to play with, Mitchells and Machines, all that kind of thing, where yeah. you're properly mm -hmm. like warping the reality in order to suit the narrative. Uh, this isn't going anywhere. This is me just talking about cartoons <laughs> I like. And I should stop. Um, mm -hmm. um, was there any conversation about a director in this one is this something where we're looking for a visual stylist are we looking again for like the spielberg going back to west side story to give it a rock solid but visually interesting push through for that primary story or are we talking about someone from that era directing this in a more traditional style I want to say, didn't we say the guy who did uh, Whiplash and uh, La La Land? Did we mention him? I can't remember his name. No, I don't think Damien Chazelle's name came up in this. I'm not sure. It depends because I, I, um, I have a, uh, I found it really fascinating watching Encanto actually. So I found that because um, of the process that these films are made, they're made over a long period of time um and, and iterated multiple times and things like that so and i found that some of the more abstract visuals sort of pulled me out of the the emotion of the lyrics of the piece so i think the abstract visuals were probably there to keep children engaged be exciting and then while in manuel is putting in his quite a sort of heartbreaking lyrics i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing but i was able to listen to the soundtrack afterwards and actually find it quite powerful uh and then uh, but so I don't know. I don't. I, so I guess it's my way of saying it needs to be a director that can synthesize those abstract visuals or those interesting farcical elements, and 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 still have the power of the characters, still have the power of the of all the messages that are going on. Does that make sense? I, so yeah. it's a non-answer, mm -hmm. but you know, <laughs> someone who can who can wrangle those things together uh, rather than them be too disparate. I want to avoid going to the obvious choices. I think the 
person who does the most slapstick in modern filmmaking is Edgar Wright, but I feel that's mm-hmm. also like a really obvious choice. I feel like giving Jackie Chan a chance to direct a, uh, a musical <laughs> would be an incredible idea. Having said oh. that, with Baby Driver, of course, they're, they're, I was thinking like how much with this whole sh- this whole film, if it were done modern, could be could be like entirely choreographed. Yeah. To a, to a soundtrack, which then bursts into song when it went necessary, should be phenomenal. Okay, I'm going to throw actually. a really odd left field choice out there, and I'm I don't think I'd regret it. I think it should be the film that Christopher McQuarrie makes after he finishes the next two part Mission Impossible's film, because I think he's a storyteller that understands the uh, the pacing and editing around action, understands how to keep you engaged, and understands yeah. how to form action, which is in many ways is also like the songs of a of a musical, to weave that in between keeping you still engaged with the characters. And he needs to do something big, you know, like but not too big, right? After Mission Can't Impossible. Can't go any bigger than Mission Impossible can <laughs> right, be in the exactly. action genre. So you take those same production values and knowledge and, and, and actors and you reform that in the the way of uh, of, of one of the, its equivalent, I suppose, from the nineteen fifties is, you know, the, the big budget musical. So that's just my choice. I'm, I'd throw Macquarie out there as a, as an as an interesting choice. Okay, listen. I think I think I've heard enough. My script, Doctor Brain, is uh, mulling. I think we should move on. <laughs> okay, we we'll move on. We shall. Um, uh, it's it, that just leaves uh, that leaves well, Ryan. Me, me next. Um, next. What, so what, I've got- what noise do you want? Ah, oh, Sean. Uh, uh, the mm. um, could you do the um, the the noise of those uh, Tweety Pie birds when someone gets hit in the head with an anvil in a cartoon, please? I'll spin this one, Sean. You do the Tweety Birds. Oh, I've got a high bar. I did a, I did a little hand gesture. Oh, I wonder if you went. I think you did the same thing as Danny. Oh, went so high. I reckon. Oh, really? No, I reckon. I reckon Audacity's caught it. But Zoom yeah. has decided that it's music and cut it out. Yeah, that's how good it was. It's, oh, it's, it's too so high a frequency for human voice to be considered. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. Um, okay, we'll see if it was captured by. Okay, well, well, I have, um, I've got episode nineteen, uh, Peloton winner by Nick Howells. So yes. this was this is the uh, synopsis: a cycle race across Europe. With nerds versus jocks versus stoners versus zealots with a cartoony edge to it. The idea is that they are competing for money, but cheating is encouraged. It's a little bit like Wacky Races meets Cannonball Run, but on bikes. Okay. Right, someone, get me, someone get me a two-minute timer. Your two-minute timer starts now. No, they can fuck, George. I'm going to go in there. No, I don't. No, it doesn't matter. Right, Doc, listen... I do uh, he's, he's rubbish. He's rubbish, isn't it? Nonsense. I don't like he's that gone. guy. I've, I never have. Never have. Listen, right? Peloton, right? And I ain't talking about the one that people, you know, like yummy mummies try to do after they do this, <laughs> the school run, yeah? Or or people try and show off on Instagram for... Just right? hang my laundry on it, to be honest. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now you can have a running machine. Who wants that? Who wants that? You know what you need to get thin? Coke, right? That's all you need. So... <laughs> Way ahead of you. <laughs> Go for it. So I've got this idea for you, right? Peloton. Let's take it away. Let's take it away from the home workouts and let's bring it what it originally was. Le Tour de France, right? Which Mais is oui. what I think is, is is what it properly is called. But yeah, what is the thing? It's a cool thing in France. I don't know. 
there is a, <laughs> um, there is something fun in like a in like a big race and like a a big thing, right? And I want to see this, but you know, what? I'm I miss from my childhood. And no one's been able to make it. No one's, uh, you know. And she wears she wears gloves for a reason. It's her job to wear gloves, right? Penelope pit stop in wacky races, right? True. Wacky races. Where's it been? You know, you know when someone laughs so high pitched that no one understands them. What is this called? It's called a mutley laugh, right? <laughs> I think something like. A wacky race is back in now. I want to see this. This sort of like it's a huge race that's put on uh, across Europe. You know, some fantastic visuals. Imagine all the sort of cool places we could go to with this, right? But it's races where it's almost like um, uh, a scholastic or it's like a collegiate kind of thing, where um, it's a big race to sort of decide who's who's the the coolest group and it's you know nerds versus jocks versus stoners you know versus i don't know what the, the religious zealots are doing there um there's always a weird weird one of them packs but what they've got to do is they've got to try and race each other and it's all cheating's encouraged sticking stuff in sporks uh in spokes and stuff like that deflating tires messing each other up and ultimately i think we decided they all crossed the finish line at the same time i think as well as what was in the original pitch if i remember correctly something like that but either way you know who isn't going to cross you know who did cross the line george out there so i'm going to go and wrap him up <laughs> Yeah, all right. I'll catch you in a bit. Wait, Can't fault you. Excellent. Excellent. Strong. Map about that. <sighs> Questions away. This is really interesting, this one. I love the wacky races element. I love I love the idea of silliness. I love the idea of the big contest. And mm. I've been looking slightly for some of these B plot some of the material to not pad out but like to flesh out yep. the mm. the this the primary plot of some of these pitches and this is one where I don't think it's needed I think that it's a clean idea and almost mm. it's like the setting for a bunch of sketches right yeah yeah you have the interaction between each group you have you know the 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 problems the uh, the, the obstacles the the traps that are set along the way and it doesn't need reinterpretation. It it just it, it, it's an opportunity to throw a whole bunch of ideas and see what works between all of these groups. It would be it would be like where, what was I'm gonna, uh, Chicken Run is the thing that came into my head, but that's not what it is. It's the what <laughs> yeah, was the film? I know, yeah, I know what you're thinking of. Something Rat Run race, where they all Rat no. Race, Rat Race, yeah, yeah. like Rat yeah. Race. Rat Race, I think did really did did well and people love it, and also. Smash Mouth are at the end playing All Star, aren't they? So you know, let's let's never forget. They're at the that end moment. of so many films from that era playing All Star, though. If that doesn't narrow it down at all. <laughs> but um, that, like, I remember watching that and it being quite fun. It had quite a big cast as well, and I think we've got the opportunity to sort of do this generation's version of it, but the eco version, like Rat Race, was too much. We've got to do this on bikes, but in bikes only. You know, mm. maybe maybe. Maybe I've got the two eco <laughs> pitches of the but it's um, but there is something but, like like I know it sounds odd, but there's something kind of relatable about it. Everybody knows a, a, one of their mates cycles, right? And so they hear all mm. the stories, or they know where they've cycled to or from, or you know, there's there are all of these sort of uh, these references you'd get. We see cyclists all the time. I think it's kind of. I think it's, yeah, it's something that I haven't seen before. Oh, the zealots, because they probably go through, like, Italy at some point. Is that why, you know, go through the Vatican City or something like that? I think it was just, (laughs) like, they had to be very sort of cartoonish in their 
their their sort of personal ideologies each each group right sort of all, like, there's that that opening section of uh, 10 things i hate about you where um mm. is going through and seeing all of the different groups you know the indie kids and the emos mm. uh-huh. and the yeah. uh the the dope smokers and all these kind of things uh, and it was set the idea is that it's going to be set within those like almost high school um cliche groups yeah you know, between yes. them yeah yeah okay um the the casting obviously we're not going to go for super credible casting i mean you know to cycle right the way across europe would involve a cast of basically you know whoever has the best quads in hollywood yeah, right that's yeah. true that's very true we're looking hemsworth. at channing Tatum. one of the hemsworths yeah <laughs> one of the hemsworths yeah any given it hemsworth reminds- it reminds me a little bit of the setup of a um, um, a Muppet film. Yeah. It makes me think about, you know, big personalities and cliches uh, that you delight seeing, even though, you know, you maybe have seen these these interactions before. Mm. Silliness, what, sketches. Mm. What are what are the traps? Like, are all the nerds' traps, like, really intricate and used, like, trigonometry and all that sort of stuff? You know, are the jocks' traps, like, your classic... Um, Roadrunner style, like huge cushion on the seats. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, what what is, what are all the all the ridiculousness? And it, I think did we say that they have like a like a traps team and like a like a ground team and a cycle team, <laughs> like one doing you know car doors flying all over the place and they've got to try and swerve them. You know, just like I can I can see it being like absolutely bonkers. And I think that's what and you know coming back to what we were saying in the last pitch about it sort of being very slapstick very yeah like big um physical comedy um trying to launch someone in like a huge catapult to to take them out i don't know they land in like a cow's butt or something like that yes there you go i've got one last is this this a family film is this pitched at the whole family or is it yes i think it's it's you know because it has to be a family film surely like the i think the the parents like the competitiveness and the heart that comes from it, and the kids love the ridiculousness, and the teenager loves the teenagers love the quads, right? Because you got sure. your chads, your chads going, oh, he never skips leg day, and the Stacey's <laughs> being like, damn, I want those quads to squeeze my face off or whatever they decide. I've seen a lot of people squeeze watermelons with thighs recently. I don't know if it's now becoming a fetish of mine, but like... What do um, you, you do with your time? The, the, <laughs> algorithm, the algorithm has worked you out. Oh, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a full family affair. So the same thing with something like a rat race. You know, as we saw, there's a good reference point, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because like, what's interesting about rat race is I did watch about 20 minutes of it the other day and it's one of the worst films I've ever seen. So I think it's yeah. aged... <laughs> It's aged really badly, but the concept in your head ages well, which is exactly how you keep making movies in similar veins, right? You go, hang on a minute, I think Rat Race was good. Let's make another one. And then, but actually it was bad. So people will always gravitate towards the like some of the Herbie films as well. Mm. The Herbie films had that kind of thing, didn't they? I I always mention Channing Tatum, but like in 21 Jump Street, it is ridiculous. And then you have the the epic moment where they read the Miranda rights and everyone is literally like, fucking yes, they got it right. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) The the camera's doing like the Michael Bay shot and everything like that. And that's something like so innocuous, but seeing that sort of same kind of drama in like a cycle peloton race is, you know, that real clincher well, and they're like all, all of the best silly it. comedies i think genuinely like 
at the end make you go, oh man, that was actually really good. Yeah. You know, like all the really good ones have a little, they just turn the screw just enough for you to come out of it thinking, oh, I got a bit emotional like, in a weird sort of way. Like like the ending of Talladega Nights is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But like you... He finally does a slingshot, happen. doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> The shake yeah, and, and bake finally gets a shake and bake, doesn't and, it? Yeah. And so on. So it's like you, you want, at the end of it, you want to feel like it's been epic as well as silly. I don't know. There, there's and we're a lot aiming of scope, for, isn't it? Yeah, there is. And we're aiming for the idea that this is about coming together, that the power is not from any individual group, but the peloton as a whole. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're a religious zealot who tried to crucify your opponents or a stoner who just got them really, really high so they couldn't make the final day of racing. Uh, yeah, we're yeah, all exactly. in it together. Yeah. Yeah? In my head, it's like, um, uh, what's his name? Morgan Freeman, like narrating. And it's like, in the end, the peloton was horizontal and not vertical. <laughs> they all crossed the line together. Nobody yeah. was drifting. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I've got that. I've got that one. All right. Okay. Thank you. Sorry about George. <laughs> so that just leaves the last one. I don't really have to spin the wheel, but I do want to make a noise. <laughs> could you make, Ryan, finally for this last one, mm. could you make the noise of a selector wheel spinning, please? Okay. Here we go. Um, Someone's been playing too much Jackbox. Uh, <laughs> yeah. well, all, all we're doing without streaming, isn't it? So, uh, <laughs> um, well, Sean, you have the final one of this this group. It is episode twenty one, Master mm. of Ceremonies, and that is Dan De Cruz was the winner. Very own Dan De Cruz. What were the what were the um, the competitors in that one, Dan? Can you remember like who you went up against? Because because uh, I or Sam, if you can remember, because it was um, Elliot Sergio and me. Ah uh, yes, mm. both both. If I, I don't remember the exact ideas, but I remember enjoying them. There was a Coogan oh. one, yes, for Master of Ceremonies, wasn't uh, there? Yeah, that was my one. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yes, right. and uh, I can't remember the other one. Yeah. So uh, the one well, that's, that's probably uh, why I didn't win. Sorry, Elliot. <laughs> oh, no, Elliot. Um, no, all great ideas, but but I I think we can. Like I think you can see why this one rose to the top. Uh, the mm. synopsis was uh, a James Wan psychological horror of the slow induction of a young woman played by Scarlett Johansson into a cult with the master of ceremonies being played by David Thewlis. It has the feeling of being taken in by a big machine and being manipulated and the struggles of coming out of it, if you come out of it from the other end. And the justification of her and her behaviours as you justify the horrors that you are seeing yourself sean your two minutes starts now thank you doc hi um i just yeah. want to say sorry i should i should let you i should say hi how are you doing i'm doing fine i'm doing fine Good. i mean you know the smoke is crippling my lungs and the pigeons attack my head on a <laughs> frighteningly regular basis i may be buried by script any moment but yeah apart from that doing really well how about you yeah, I mean, less pigeons, but apart from that, pretty sure. much the same. Yeah. Um, also, George, um, I, I, like, it's actually all right. We're going to go out on a date. I hope you don't mind. It's not a conflict of interest or anything, is it? But actually, you know, I got, got to know him. Good good guy. 
it's a different George. We uh, we subbed in for a different George. They're identical twins with completely different personalities. Really confusing. Okay, yeah, but. okay, fair enough. Um, I've got uh, I've got an idea for you. Uh, everybody likes James Wan. Um, everybody likes Scarlett Johansson, except for Disney. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> Zing. Everybody, yeah, it's an industry uh, uh, joke there. Um, I've, uh, I always, uh, Elizabeth Olsen was recently, uh, was in a cult film that worked really well. And I, I sort of like the idea of, um, I don't know if, if you think it's too on the nose, but like, instead of dealing with the way we feel about our own identities, about social media, about this sort of, this fake world we've got to put online, it feels very much like a cult to me. Um, and I think I've got a story about um, somebody I know, a girl that uh, that I've been interviewing that's that has come out of a cult recently. Um, and w- the scariest thing about it is it's like being in an abusive relationship. Do you, while you're in the cult, you're being gaslit and then you're there justifying these behaviours. And I think what I'd really love to do is see an audience that also c- is on her side, even while she's doing terrible things under this cult, and then maybe even... You sort of feel like this. This is would be the twist, the David Fincher thing, is that like you really are trying to justify that what's happening is okay. It's good for her. It's good that this is happening. It's okay. It's okay. And mm. you're being gaslit as well at the same time. I think I think that's something interesting, especially with the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial that's just finished. I think it's interesting to touch upon the idea of gaslighting and 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 being this sort of big figure. And we have got David Thewlis lined up for it. I just wanted to say at the end. Sure. Um, you remember him from uh, from the Wonder Woman film he played. Uh, yeah, Ares. The he was hidden behind a mask. His, yes, was really his good, defining yeah. role. Um, yes. Anyway, listen. Um, I'm going to go and um, George is going to knock off early. I mean, I assume you approved it already. We're just going to pop no that problem. For a drink. No problem. You okay. kids have a good time now. Thanks. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, nice so um, Sean couldn't remember anything about that because he spent a minute of that talking about going on a date with George. <laughs> <laughs> That's the- good guy. Good guy. It's important um, to get self-care in, Dan, you know. I mean, true, you know, very true. yourself very first true. and the pitch second. <laughs> I did, hashtag well, hashtag I did. Ryan's still single, still looking for a date. <laughs> I'll yeah, take a you, Georgia instead of a George, please. What you can tell is, although he's not picky, um, what, it, what, you can, what you can tell from that pitch is that I, um, I just regurgitated the pitch again uh, in a different way because I didn't remember anything about it. Um, but, uh, but I remembered, some of the things I remembered was that I think is important. It, the most horrific thing in a horror film, I think, is when you realise that you've been on the wrong side or like, or if you've been, if you're justifying the behaviours of the people involved, I think you're... But you would have done it in the same situation. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. right, just as it? bad as them. Like, that's carnal, mm-hmm. isn't it? That's quite frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the things I remembered from the pitch. Although Dan can, uh, can fill us in shortly. Um, well, there was but, there was talk about it, like comparing it to something like Law Abiding Citizen, where you're sort of rooting for Gerard Butler, even though he's doing horrible things, but he's up against a big machine, isn't he? I think that's the, the sort of... And there was the, the comparison thing. with Chef as well, like the... Uh, ah. the um, uh, oh, his yeah. name's gone out of my head now, the director of Iron Man. Yeah, John Favreau. Favreau. Yeah, yeah. John Favreau, how he made an independent film after that, which sort of like told the story of his own frustrations with being a creative in the film industry but yeah, yeah. through the Via medium food, of yeah. food and how that would work with ScarJo and there her was frustrations. Also like a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was like a revolving door of, of this David Doolis, like going on a date, inducting people. Like it was very much um, like they were just numbers 
Um, and his whole thing and was, it was being this sort of cult leader. It was kind of based on real life, wasn't it? Because that Alison mm. Mack of yeah. Smallville got mm. initiated into that cult that ended, and she ended up being being the reason for sex slaves yeah. being um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, apart from the fact that the movie Gaslight came out so long ago, like basically the birth of cinema, it's quite interesting. But at least now films are touching on gaslighting and and the kind of behaviours around that. Um, it's kind of interesting. And I think like cults are like the gold standard of gaslighting really, aren't they? And they sort of, their manipulation is off the charts. Um, and even in like, for example, I just want, I know we mentioned Kimmy earlier on, but um, the, the way that each character talks to her is just, is just fascinating. Such a nuanced portrayal of, 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 um, of humanity. Like it's rare to get actors to act like people, you know, and act, and have those little micro sort of, um, microaggressions, I suppose, or like even just just there's there's little moments in there. Um, but yeah. So, what questions do you have, uh, Sam? Sorry, we're 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 trying to justify this pitch because we want Dan to uh, to succeed. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I. To be honest, I find this very interesting. Um, uh, and I was hard behind Dan uh, as as this pitch was being explained in the in the episode i think that a, uh, a film that deals with this is is inevitable at some stage like you say it's so much swirling around the pop culture and the public consciousness and the answers to some of these questions are, are really hard to pin down i think that some of the stories are going to have to be told i don't know how you tell a story like this though because I think that there's so much that is about it's so polarized like with the the debt herd trial like people made their decisions based on personality mm. and that goes back to politics about you know nationalism uh the cult thing has been done in various films but I feel like something about gaslighting and about the persuasive power of charismatic leaders mm. is something that's very difficult mm-hmm. to capture. I want that film to happen where you're led into it like a horror film, like the the revulsion where you realise that you're on the wrong side of it. But I think it's a very complicated topic. Um, mm. I also am aware that you would want some kind of narrative that did not just make it a sequence of events, yeah, and I wonder if there is anything in your pitch, Dan, about the structure of the storytelling, like temporarily, like whether you start at the beginning and go through to the end, or whether it's told in retrospect. Whether there's something about you know breaking up that that sequence of events so you don't, which dislocates the audience as well. Yeah, I like the idea of maybe non-linear. Actually, so we we do start with the start and we'll end with the end. But maybe we'll see some of the bigger, like, judgment calls that, that she makes and be horrified by them and then go back and see how there were smaller and then progressively larger, incrementally larger decisions that led her to that, which then may change the audience's mind about what she's done. Yeah. And and each time it does it, that that's on you to decide whether... Oh God, that's utterly justified now. Of course, she's killed this person because it's self-defense. But would it, is it really self-defense? Has that really has she been put into that situation? Has that person been manipulated themselves? But you can see how she's been led to that to, to happen, or 
maybe stealing or convincing someone else or, uh, you know, the whole sort of trolley, trolley uh, par- par- paradox yeah. type thing yeah. where she's making that decision. But we only ever see her decision. We don't see the lead up to that decision until a little bit later. And then by the time we've made our mind up about her, does the evidence change our minds at all? And I like that that idea. And that, and that in, in essence, we're being manipulated by the Master of Ceremonies as well in his storytelling of it, maybe being an um, a unreliable narrator as well within that. There's a couple of films that I think have dealt with being on the other side of it. Uh, uh, Molly's Game, where mm-hmm. Jessica Chastain plays that charismatic leader and you see the choices that lead her to sort of, you know, her downfall. Um, mm. I was also thinking about um, Hustle, where there's a lot of decisions mm. that people mm-hmm. make in that, where you're led on a logical sequence of events where this is the next right thing and you're not really hurting anyone, but actually the outcome, you know, you're too deep in, as the characters are too deep in before you realise, oh, this is a bunch of horrific decisions. Mm. Yeah. It's complicated. Okay, well, I've heard all three. I think I'm ready to make my my final call for this half. That was an unrequested uh, sound effect. Um, Everyone appreciates it. We'll be deleting that. This is uh, this is a tough one. Um, I think that the brilliance of uh, Out of the Frying Pan is obvious for all to see. Um, there's so much information. There's so many opportunities. There's sort of a revolution inside that pitch, a return to an era of uh, filmmaking that we're starting to get tastes of, but haven't fully embraced. The musical mm. elements have to sort of sit around the uh, the films where musical has returned to the cinema. And I think that's something that embraces it so full-bloodedly, so wholeheartedly, is going to be an exciting moment to see. And I want to I wanna be a part of that. Um, Peloton... It's a throwback for me. It's delightful. It's charming. I want to see the Muppet version of it. <laughs> um, but I think it doesn't have the legs, no pun intended, oh, uh, I enjoyed that to one. go the distance. <laughs> that pun was intended. Um, <laughs> I would delight in watching it. And I think an updated version of Rat Race, Cannibal Run, Wacky Races. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think to be honest, like a live action Wacky Races is, is overdue. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that on bikes i think that gets confused about ecological messages and about fitness about you know the real tour de france i don't know whether it's as clean a pitch as as i want to put through to the final Mm -hmm. and then i like master of ceremonies an awful lot i think again there's a small revolution in that film that's going to be a tough tough script to hone that's going to be a difficult film to get cleared all of the Alison Mack stuff I think mm-hmm. somebody talked about bringing her on as a consultant and I think that having that authentic voice would be really important but she was only just sentenced like mm. a year ago or so yeah. Um, yeah. and various Three people years. are still defending you know the 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 guy who runs Nexium. um 
And I think the personality politics get very, very difficult because it blurs out into all politics, how we're engaging with, you know, how nations are run, how companies are run. But I think that means it's an important film to yeah. make. Yeah. Um, but in the end, the chance for Better Than Abaji makes all the decisions <laughs> for me. It's got to be I'm, out of the frying pan. Okay. I'm very happy. I'm very happy to uh, lose to that. For very sure. nice. Chris, Chris Coxon's Out of the Frying Pan from episode 24. Um, it's chosen by Sam Pay to go into the final of this episode. Uh, up against Riverhouse by Alexander Bean. What's What's interesting is that 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 was a really tough three films to pick from, wasn't it? Mm. Like in that that's and I sort of like it's both fair and unfair to do it this way because sometimes you can get three excellent films come up against each other. Um, and Peloton would be the film I probably would want to see the most. A Master of Ceremonies would probably be the film that I want most made. Yeah. Um, but Out of the Frying Pan would be the film that the world needs most so, so i think you picked <laughs> i think you picked very well uh sam so thanks very much thank you so at this point uh we have uh two final ideas that sam uh will be mulling over as we three pitch uh then both to him and we'll see which one goes into the final uh, that's four in total, four adjudicator episodes. It's four in total. We will select one to go in. That's five. And then the sixth one is a wild card. So that means that anybody listening, anybody at all, um, if there is one that you, even if it's yours, even if you're a guest and it was one of your ideas, if if one didn't go through to the final, if one didn't even go to the final of its episode, if it just if it just slipped past the net, if I made the wrong decision, if Dan was in fact robbed, <laughs> as he was just now um then we want you to let us know pop it uh, in our socials use the hashtag dam robbed let us know which film you think uh from the previous episode should go forward and we will take the the highest uh film and we'll pop it in that's that'll be our wild card so we'll you know don't say we don't listen to you all right because we do <laughs> um and uh yeah so we're looking forward to that so very very shortly uh, you you will we will do the final of uh, season one. So it's very exciting. And that has Steven Spielberg as a final adjudicator. Yeah, the master. Yes, of, the real yeah, master of ceremonies. It's either yeah, it's either Spielberg or Scorsese. Like we mm. know, we wanted to get them both, but they're not allowed to be in a room together. Um, sure, you know, it's it's too many asses. Too many asses. Yeah, something cosmic uh, about an unstoppable force and a and an immovable <laughs> object. Um, but yes, so that would be the final. Sam, um, you've got an excellent podcast. Um, absolutely fantastic. I've You're I've listened kind. to most of it. I'm I'm an absolute. Um, no, I'm about to. I was about to say I'm an absolute Tom Waits fan. I am. I love Tom Waits, but I know nothing about him. Like real fans know all the details, <laughs> and I don't. I just love listening to Tom Waits. Um, I love the so, idea that you've listened to uh, nearly uh, 320 episodes of us talking about him, but still know nothing. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a testament and an accurate testament to uh, the quality of my show. Yeah, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you uh, pitch the, uh, the podcast, uh, Song by Song, Sam. Song by Song is a terrible idea. Uh, it is myself <laughs> and uh, my co-host, uh, Martin Zoltz-Alstwick, uh, 
he came to me uh, he's been making podcasts for a long time but mm. he came to me with the idea that he wanted to have some more of the conversations that we sort of used to have when we were younger uh, sitting around uh, kitchen tables drinking cups of tea late into the night talking about music and film and art and truth and justice and mm. uh, you know all of setting all of the, the world to time of tomorrow exactly mm. um and his idea was to use the uh, the music of Tom Waits as the lens for that. Tom Waits is a singer-songwriter. He's uh, a film actor. Uh, he has uh, been making music since the mid-70s. And he's one of those artists who goes through periodic career reinventions, starting really early on, uh, uh, pulling away from more commercial ideas and making some genuinely odd choices in the early part of his career. Um He's iconic. He's mm -hmm. got an incredible ear for dialogue. He has one of the most unique voices, like physical voices, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. in the music industry. Um, and he's a uh, he, he manages to be like all sorts of things simultaneously, like a storyteller and uh, a designer of soundscapes. He's uh, an icon. He's a self-parody. Uh, he appears in films and TV mm -hmm. shows uh, and always accompanied by this, this gravelly voice uh, that you know, sets him apart from almost any other singer I can think mm -hmm. of. So we, uh, every week, listen to a Tom Waits song. Uh, we have a guest on uh, to discuss that music, the writing, the instrumentation, the uh, lyrics. Um, and then we compare it to another artist, uh, maybe a similar topic, maybe an inversion of what Waits is singing about, maybe some deeply tangential connection that <laughs> we have to spend five minutes explaining to the audience why we picked it. And it's a conversation every week about music, and we go off on all sorts of tangents. Yeah. Uh, but it's a terrible idea, guys. It's, a, it's, it's <laughs> really it's been, it's been eight years of my life, nearly now, um, and uh, it just it's so such a terrible idea. You should have a little lesson. Award-winning um, podcast. Am I, am I correct in saying that? We won an award. Yeah, we it's won best, a British I mean, podcast award. Slash cheap. <laughs> it's not a competition. It's we not a, you know, effort, well, that was a competition. Sorry, that's, that's not participation. <laughs> the participation. participation award. Um, and Dan, you no. were you were on an episode, weren't you? Yeah, um, you and your wife. I was on one episode. Yeah, we're on three along episodes. with my wife. Yeah. Well, yes, that's true. Yes, it was on a few episodes. Yes, you can do recorded. Experience like on it. It was fantastic, but doubly so because I um, shared that with my wife, who over the course of the recording of the podcast drank more and more red wine and became more and more effusive. Oh, really? That explains. Which I remember. <laughs> yeah. I remember like one, two, so my three, feedback change. was like, I know, like, I've never heard uh, your wife sort of, I've, I've never, I've only seen her act in our sort of D&D &D games and other sorts of things we do. I've never seen her act or heard her act. And her radio voice came out at the start. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. was her radio yeah. voice. That's what I fell in love with. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then by the end, um, after the wine had kicked in, I was like, ah, uh, that's who there's, I know. There she that's is. That's who yeah. I recognise. <laughs> <laughs> so you can uh, just, you can experience that yourself. Just off of a quick Google, I just thought, oh man, you know it'd be amazing if Tom Waits ever met John Cooper Clark, and then I googled it, and there's a photo of them two together. Oh. Really, I didn't know that one. Yeah, uh, there's actually a photo with them two and Billy Connolly as well. So that's <laughs> quite interesting. Wow, that is a drinking that, party. That would be a conversation <laughs> to to be a fly on the wall for. Um, actually, so, one yeah, of so my, speaking so. of it, I think one of the albums that Sean recommended to me from Tom Waits mm -hmm. was his live album, the Nighthawks at the Diner live album. Oh, yeah. Mm. And I go back to that and listen to that every so often just because it's, it's you know, the, the sort of the one-liner jokes that he has in there and the way he sort of plays to the crowd are. 
Uh, like I, you know, with the joke of like I'm so horny, the cracker dawn bear, watch yourself around me. It was just like yeah. hearing that was hilarious. And sometimes it's the I cup like, of put coffee that there. wasn't strong enough to defend itself. That, get, that, that one gets <laughs> yeah. me every time. Yeah. And it's just that amazing wordplay. You know, um, we, you know, speaking of John Cooper Clark, you know, we've talked about Sean and I at length about Arctic Monkeys and how, uh, you know, the the wordplay in that is fantastic. But you know, Tom Waits has been doing it for since the seventies, as you said. Mm. But, He's a really but, interesting person to to talk about. And, and Nighthawks is a favourite of mine. But when you see the evolution that he goes through, not only with his storytelling, but also the impact that he makes in a... I mean, Nighthawks isn't really technically a live gig. It's uh, They set up a studio like a nightclub, but it wasn't mm-hmm. recorded in a real nightclub, sadly. It's wow. all artifice. But you hear the live music that he generates uh, later in his career. We're up to 2004-ish now. Right. And the music that he's making... Like comes from some deep place inside him where he's less that sort of like funny laconic lounge singer and he's uh, an angry force of nature mm-hmm. you know, going into his 50s it's a it's an extraordinary evolution and if people want to pick that up um, listen to the previous episodes or listen to as you were saying some of his his later stuff now what where, where can they find you i mean everybody knows where to find podcasts but let's just entertain for example that they didn't uh where would they where would they find song by song if you were beginning, you should find yourself a podcast app. There are many available. One is probably pre-installed on your phone. You search in that app for the word song by song, S O N G B Y S O N G, and you will find several hundred episodes uh, talking about all of the albums that you love, hate, and don't know you love to hate. Um, uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Song by Song Pod. You can find the website songbysongpodcast.com. Uh, it's uh, it's a lot of me talking about music and films and various other things. I, I would highly recommend you don't don't come anywhere near us. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> Who can do a knock nearby that will sound good on the microphone? Yeah. Come in, George. Will um, you're very different. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Now all the knocks, all the knocks are being cancelled by the noise cancelling software we've got in our. Uh... Yeah, but Audacity will pick it up, so we'll yeah, have sure. a whole collection of knocks. <laughs> so, yeah, this will be fun to select which knock I like. Um, yeah, just okay, put them George. all together at the same time. So I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, you should. <laughs> okay, okay, let's. Um, uh, okay, George, well, uh, I'll see you next week. Yep, yeah, bye. Uh, Doc, I've. Um, yeah, How's it going yeah. with George? Oh, it's. They don't um, look very happy. Yeah, but, you know, sometimes George is, you know, sort of completely loving and supportive and wonderful. And then sometimes he's just, well, other, just an other absolute George's, monster. Other George is out. You know, I, I took care of him. So don't worry about You've only got nice George now. There's well, a third George, is. you know, guys. He's a triplet. Just like the Hemsworths. <laughs> too complicated to go in right now. Um, okay. How are you doing, gents? How's it going? Good. 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 Um, so listen, I... I've I've heard all of your pitches. I've heard the uh, the six scripts, and I think mm. it's clear that you know there's there's two options to deal with. One, the the traditional thriller River House, where I think there's so much space you inject so many ideas into into that film. There's so much mm. there's so much to draw out from real life, ordinary people put in extraordinary situations. I think that's that's a winner. That mm-hmm. that, that has box office potential. But then there's a revolution coming and out of the frying pan is, you know, the standard bearer of that revolution. Uh, I think it's overdue that we have a 
a big budget Busby Berkeley musical mm-hmm. back in the cinemas. We've got to make a choice between the two. Talk to me. What do you think? Listen, Riverhouse is going to like, we got, we've got the names for Riverhouse. You know, they're already on board, those yeah. actors. They've read the script and they, uh, and this is pre-dual doctoring for it as well. Right. So, you know, they're going to love it even more after it passes through your, uh, your scalpel. But we will steady, steady scalpel where you cover <laughs> watches because they tick too loud or whatever he did in, in Doctor Strange. But I think, <laughs> but it is, it's, it's an interesting Spoilers. cast. I sort of, it's, it's got like a lot of visuals, a lot of on location, that sort of, you know, you, we only ever see like the wall from one side like what happens when you realize that there's like it becomes a spy thriller as well yeah. as a as well as a sort of mm. an office not it's not really an office drama is it but like we all know yeah, the truth we know those dynamics don't we yes Being exactly that's yeah. the point i was making right. that we know uh, my i've got friends who work for slalom like a, a huge tech company and they put on like a festival for their employees this weekend um somewhere like they had those huge bell tents everything like that so it's possible that companies like send people to all these kind of like weird team building stroke holiday stroke keynote speeches. Um, and so that makes it way more relatable for people to then have the trauma of something happen while they're at those. Um, mm. Because there's thousands of these conventions that go around the other day. I feel like Riverhouse has that more tangibility to it. Yeah, it's like a modern day uh, zombie who would be in your zombie apocalypse team, yeah, wouldn't it? Sure. Who would be in your refugee <laughs> Yeah, uh, get back home team. Yeah, I um I watched the TV series, British TV series. Genuinely um surprised that it didn't get as much traction as it did. But it's called Years and Years, and it sort of focuses on uh, a rise to power of the far right in the UK under the sort of in a sort of like a new Margaret Thatcher comes in, and it sort of um it it screws with uh, what's going on, and then uh, this family deals with it sort of decade by decade i think it jumps forward every 10 years or something um and and they're dealing with the fallout of this it's like a sort of speculative dystopian sci-fi set in britain sort of i think inspired by brexit but what i found really powerful is one of the characters it's only for one episode but they they have to take the journey from wherever they currently are back to the uk so they get their passport revoked or something like that um and they have to get on the refugee boats and take that journey and i thought it was really powerful genuinely um and i think that an entire film like this uh maybe even in a stealth fashion this is just something i'm thinking of now so maybe you like in the same way that a jordan peele film is marketed in one way and then surprises you in the in the other way in the second half or so or something maybe it's marketed as all these amazing actors are going to this beautiful place and you just give some hints to something bad happening but then what you're actually seeing by the end of it is a refugee's journey and mm. you sort of come out of the cinema thinking wow okay i didn't realize that that, that was what it was like because uh, you know sort of people might not feel like that's the material they want to go into the cinema for but if you give it to them when they're already there they might be into it so those are the strength that's the strength of Riverhouse I think for me that was that was what was in my mind like you set up almost a recognizable office uh, a, a cast of people who we do recognize as the the co-workers and the people we see in the street um, and it's less about what you're assembling for your zombie apocalypse it's more about how do you deal with the people who you're left standing next to and in fact how do you deal with the people who you stand next mm. to every day mm. Um, and I think that stealth impact 
would need to be at its core, like the cultural impact, who, who is who this 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 is going to speak to, but also who it's going to speak for, I think feels mm. quite important to me. And you're not at work, right? Like the guy who's the CEO might not be as good as Jamie who spends his time camping on the weekends. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like in that scenario, he's not the leader anymore. Yeah, yeah. you have versions of these power dynamics. dynamics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. There's absolutely. real scope for that, for the characters to sort of... Um, uh, to play off of each other, really. Yeah. Do you think that this lives entirely in chronological order? Do we begin with the uh, the team building exercise and then go through, or do we lost style, like go back and mm. see some of the situations from their history, their interactions? Oh, that's a really good point. They're little those little moments in the office that like I have fed yeah. directly into their interactions. I think. I think yeah. it is an I think it is a straightforward and you see a lot of that stuff in the first fifty minutes at the stuff that happens in the conventions, the sly looks and the bar at the bar. Do you know what I mean? To you know who's hooking up with who and mm. you know, like someone not they're two people being in a room together that they don't like each other, yeah. you know? That kind of stuff. You you're able to see that dynamic in a short space of time rather than having to flip flop back and forth the, tempt- because, yeah, the temptation you know, there's, there's- is to do that is to flip flop back and forth and you can get more you get a different thing don't you by paralleling it was almost what we were talking about with with dan's idea um but it might be better to give them to lock them into an experience once it starts and keep yeah. them keep and them then on when this. we get the C- and then the dynamic changes again completely when the cia specialist gets in you know we need to get you out of here um what does that mean? And then, like, you know, they're being as gringos. Are they being hunted in Mexico? <laughs> you know, like, know. as they are they sort of like is that is that the thing? And like, and now because Mexico's turned, are they after anyone who's American speaking? Um, what does that mean? You know, because mm. of some of the cast in there. You know, we talked about Lupita Nyong'o and Danny Kaluuya and stuff like that. What does that mean for someone who's who's black and being in that environment? Are they going to be considered an enemy? of america because they're not white there's another there's another sub sub story there isn't there mm. <laughs> are we slightly talking maybe about 1917 style a single long take that mm. takes us from Ooh, that's the, really the, interesting the after party at the end of the team building exercise and pulls these characters inevitably swiftly traumatically but unavoidably through you know how quickly over the course of you know 100 minutes or so how quickly someone's yeah. lives and situations can be changed and all of these things invert almost at the 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 the, the flip yeah, of the switch that's perfect mm. yeah i couldn't have put that better myself that, that's exactly what this idea needed right it needed that powder keg that sort of truncated like almost real time and then as it's in as it's I, happening you're you're seeing it yeah in almost one shot i like yeah. the one takes and the one shots but and i haven't seen 1917 yet but i feel like it should be more like those sequences from children of men where yes, they sure did have nice long one takes but it wasn't the thing that the film compromises itself on you know it's nice to see a lot of those sequences where that does happen um and yeah I, but i think that'd be really good sort of that it has and i <laughs> i know i said it before but the the um what was the the film about the the tsunami? I think that was the one with Tom Holland, the right? Was that the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's the <coughs> visual style I'm sort of seeing. That sort of very like dusty, almost serpia sort of the 
you know the 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 team building shirts getting completely ruffled yeah sure um did we talk about a director i'm also interested in the soundtrack for this mm. i think that in a strange way i'm thinking about something that is almost pulling away from some of those thriller cliches uh, or maybe even no music at all where we just have a soundscape um that is comprised of the real world situations yeah. and we don't inject all of those you know tense strings and uh you know dan you're rhythmic. the sound specialist here well, I guess it depends what we're trying to tell. If, we, if we're doing like the one shot, then maybe that would work, wouldn't it? Like to have the the real sound. We could always have sort of radios playing in the background if we want a little bit of something to to take us through like situation or yeah, location. Yeah, more diegetic sound sort of thing as it goes through. Yeah, um, it could it could work. I, I guess it would be it would be what we're trying to sell. Are we trying to sell real life? If it is, you know, like it is just people trying to get through their day-to-day trying to get home, then that would 100% work, wouldn't it? Hmm. All right. And a director. Yeah, it'd have to be, the, the, the visuals would have to be ramped up and the acting would have to be absolutely on point yeah. because, you know, the soundtrack does at least 50% of the emotional lifting in a, in a, in a, in a film. Um, and if you made a so, trailer for this one, we'd have to go to Cancun. So, you know, that's, that's another benefit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So pick this one. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I'd have to go to Cancun with the film crew and just record all the parts and then oh, send no. it back to you for editing. <laughs> no, I'll Flattering. be a fluffer. Um, <laughs> yeah, director's, a, director's an interesting one because, it. I mean, you can see these kinds of films being directed by lots of different directors. So it would be what is the conceit that, or what is the thing that makes it unique and then maybe that funnels into, I mean, part of me... Which one of the Scott brothers is still alive? Ridley. Ridley. Uh, would have been a good, t- a good Tony Scott would have been a good choice, wouldn't it? Your disappointment at the survival of Ridley Scott yeah. should be noted. <laughs> Don't worry, he's on his way out. Um, I think this needs something higher energy. I think this needs something yeah. that is more intimate. The Scots yeah. have the huge scale. Chris McQuarrie has this huge scale. <clears throat> this feels like it's a small slice of that much bigger story. And we need to stay focused on the relationships, on the characters. If we're going to make something of these people being in this mm. situation, then yeah. I think the situation is the thing that's... Is the people are the thing that is new. The situation is something we understand and we have context for. I mean, sadly, we have all too much context yeah. for the idea of, yeah. you know, sudden outbreaks of war. Um, what was the film when Mark Strong played like a like an Iranian... That was that was your. They're still thinking of Ridley Scott. That's Body of Lies. Oh, is it? Is it really? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because I should go I was, with Ridley Scott. I think Ridley Scott <laughs> is clearly because <laughs> he's he's quite. Um, which is, I, I guess now thinking about it, a lot of his films are like this. To be fair, um, but yeah, I feel like he almost puts a wedge between himself and the and the characters, or or puts a wedge between the audience and the characters, and that works for a lot of his films. Um, but yeah, you need someone who directs very intimately and can sort of really get you right. I saw um, oh Jonathan Demi's he's dead, isn't he? I think he's dead. I, but I watched um, Rachel getting married the other day. Is Jonathan Demi still alive? I watched Rachel getting married the other day, and it just reminded me. I know it's all supposed to look like it's made from sort of um, home videos and things like that. Um, but I thought it was it was magical. It was a really sort of um, uh, sort of it felt really 
Yeah, he did, die. he did die. Did he? Yeah, hmm. 2017. Tony Scott. John I mean, Denny. to be fair, but you know, we can we can do it <laughs> in the past, cursed. can't we? Yes, we can. But there's something about there's something like that, like a really accomplished filmmaker, or like when Michael Mann like chose to do things like Collateral and whatnot. Like you want a really accomplished yeah. filmmaker that maybe has decided to to just change the tools they're using. Like, again, for better and worse, I think when Soderbergh started to use iPhones and other weird equipment, like he made some really interesting experimental films. So maybe... But that's him returning to his indie filmmaking roots. Yeah, like that's right. him moving away right. from... Like the experiment is Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, but yeah, I think we're right. all on the same right. page that, you know, it's, it's a personal project for someone with experienced uh, filmmaking now to get dig into a, a smaller personal project. Mm. So we should move on to Out of the Frying Pan. This, for me, has... This has less space. This is a more fully-fledged idea. Um... But the ideas are delightful. Mm. I, um, I love mm. it. And I think it rides, rides the zeitgeist at the moment. I think we could try and get Lin-Manuel involved. Then it would be a guaranteed sell, wouldn't it? Everyone would be there, whether it was good or not. And we can, um, we can give him, you know, he longs to shove himself in all the work he does, doesn't he? So we'll, we'll give him something. He can be the secret give sauce. Give him a cameo. He can, oh, be, he the can be the Maharaja. Of course he can be, yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> because... <laughs> To be that, that that doesn't feel awkward at all, but we'll go with it. <laughs> As episode twenty twenty four, uh, I think this was such a great way to end the show. What well. a great end! Great yeah. ending. You, you know, like very similar to when we look at episode two um, with uh, Grace. You know, such a fully formed idea. It had script. Mm. It had you know songs, and we were all really getting into it. Um, you know, better than a Barji was one. I think there was. That- that was at three in the morning Sweet as well. I want to point out this this kind of stuff was coming out at three in the morning. It was phenomenal. Mm. Yeah, I was watching uh, Hail Caesar uh, the oh, other day, brilliant. Um, and that yeah. has. I mean, it's a delightful film, but in the middle of it, it has this huge uh, musical number, sort of incidental to the plot. They just stick Channing Tatum in a in a uh, <laughs> sailor <laughs> costume, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, and he just, <laughs> you know floods the screen with like talent and uh charm and uh swathes of innuendo Mm. (laughs) and i sort of as i was watching it like we were all all watching this film going why why aren't there more films like this why didn't why why is this just a throwaway number yeah Mm -hmm. and it really did stick out to me listening to both the pictures you gave but also the the episode that this is this is burgeoning right i mean Mm. you look back through the big hollywood musicals that we've had over the last 20 years say i think of them starting to a certain extent with like tentative uh offering like chicago Mm -hmm. um, and uh occasional little bits of mary poppins returns where there's Mm -hmm. clearly an appetite for it there's charm for it but no one really trusts it as a medium and i feel like spielberg broke ground not only by remaking West Side Story, but I feel mm. like genuinely improving almost any element I care to name about that from the... <laughs> I, I, I can't speak to the original productions. I've seen uh, a live version of it, but 
But I think that film is so ambitious and it's such a shame that it didn't do better at the box office. Right. And for mm-hmm. something to be that plus silliness, plus uh, love, uh, a lighthearted, yeah, and slapstick that you all talked about. In there as well. Yeah, like big sweeping statements, big, big, uh, you know, bold colours, which yeah. I think is what, I'm sorry, Dan, I'm really sorry. I think that's what Cats was aiming for. And I think it <laughs> fails mm. in the most horrifically fascinating car crash way. But I yes. think that's what it's trying to do, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they chose entirely the wrong material yeah. to do that with <laughs> and then didn't deliver even on the piss poor material that, it, you know, that it, that it was. Um, which is probably why it failed. But yes, there is. And also, I think you've hit on it. It's family. You want to get the next generation of yeah. film goers to see this as normal. Yeah. Rather than... Because we got into the whole, you know, Batman has to be darker and more gritty. Everything has to be so dark that we can't see it. All the sound has to be... All the dialogue has to be whispered yeah. so quietly you can't hear <laughs> yeah. it. But at what point did we... did we? It's so, so navel-gazing. And now I think there's a time for a brighter beautiful cinema and i think we need to grab the next generation well, to, like to a, go for when it. i was visiting our nan the other day i watched she chucked on like a judy garland like documentary about her life and it was just interesting like she knew all of when they were showing all of the old actors and actresses and the dance numbers and everything like that she, my nan was just reaming off all the people that's that person that's that person oh i loved them in this i loved them in that you know and it's and, uh, and um it when i remember watching La La Land and with Sean uh, and his fiancée and like coming out for going, that wasn't a musical. And then, you know, reading the reviews and it was like, no, it's <laughs> just more like, like those. Just like that. <laughs> 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 and, but, you know, it was like more like those sort of, uh, you know, I, I assume it's Danny Kay, right? More like that kind of style of that TV, the music you'd see in the TV in the theatre rather than mm. like a stage show or a Disney musical. Well, it's, it's and, certainly what you're saying about when like, nan knowing everything right that's that resonates with me so like that's gonna die out right so that will die out unless you produce something because i think you know a few friends of mine said oh why are they redoing old material why are they retreading this why are they you know but i think it's a way of you finding something modern that you like and then it transports you back into the previous material that's why i don't begrudge any Zack Snyder presents the Justice League Ultimate Edition, black and white, whatever. Because what it will do for a new generation is it will allow them to see these characters on screen and then find out where they came from and find out the artists and writers and other things um, that inspired them and the different runs and all sorts of things. So I think that's what's powerful about like remaking a film or putting an old genre, bringing an old genre back. Tarantino did very well for uh, uh and so did so did the wachowskis for things like uh martial arts films you know and then people would go back and watch the old hong kong and japanese martial arts films yeah. so i think there's scope like genuinely this is going to sound a bit wanky but i guess it's because it's late but there's a scope for this film to actually do something positive in cinema and that's bring uh, an old genre back to life um which i think it can really do yeah, what I like about it also is that it's not a rehash. Like, so with, yes. for all the mm. wonderful that West Side Story did, it is old, old material redone. That mm. they have to play something safe, don't they, by having something that people know. Whereas, you know, what I, even in the Heights, which I thought was also cinema, cinematographically beautiful, very, very clever, and amazing for a, for a musical, was still a theatre show, and it would be lovely to have a dedicated mm. film family film mm. musical 
um, you know, they can only imagine what it was like to go and see The Wizard of Oz for the first time and, you know, things like that yeah. where you're like, this is phenomenal. Here's, here's mm. a little off-tangent but anecdote about my grandmother again. She used to go in, watch, the, watch those films, write down when the time of when like a a dress that she wanted was on there she would then go to the tailor pay for the tailor to go and see the film (laughs) with the notes saying make me that dress Uh, uh, however long this woman walks out in this dress look at it go and make it for me that's what they used to do that's beautiful it's incredible beautiful that's amazing yeah so like that that, yeah yeah so maybe you know we've definitely got a clothes tie and deal somewhere Taylor so, tie so deal these somewhere. films they meant so much more to people like mm. our grandparents and then therefore also our parents for it to an extent like these films mm. meant so much more i think there is scope for um for s- a new generation yeah. of that. And the whole story as a whole like not just the the, the singing and dancing numbers um that sort of reach across the aisle because a lot of people like music and like movement and like a tight body but the you know the, there's also like the fact that it's got him being silly in the in the restaurant it's got this competition it's got like the sort of the 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 heart of a home cooked meal in this restaurant you know people would love ratatouille for that reason you know hmm. and it's like that's another that you know we haven't even touched on all of that yet as well yeah, yeah it just hits all the notes doesn't it mm. i just want to say that not all dancers have to have a tight body to Thanks, be Dan. phenomenal dancers. So just I feel like you're talking about me. Like I, I feel seen. Well, I, Thank you. I'm, I'm saying you're a phenomenal dancer. That's certainly sure. Okay. As in, if is, this episode gets a, a million likes, then we'll watch you two have a dance off or something like that. <laughs> well, I feel like we've, we've, we've covered both of those then. I feel like the doctor is out. I've I've made my decision. Ooh, okay, I'm, I'm ready to. The prescription uh, is being nurse. written. Yeah, let me just let <laughs> me just add, let me add some tension under this one. That's great. Thanks. I like that. that. Just just keep doing that for the next three minutes. I, you don't I need will to breathe, commit. do you? Okay, fair enough. <laughs> he will commit. Um, he will do it. It comes down to a real like clash of ideologies for me. I think that. River House is exciting and adventurous, but also it has uh, an argument to make. There's nothing as, as wanky as a message, but it has the opportunity to talk about various different things about um, what's going on in the world now. And I think that's important. And I think that Out of the Frying Pan is the absolute opposite. It is an <laughs> escapist gesture. Yeah. There are important things about how it would bring back a form of art, uh, or at the very least mainstream form of art, uh, to a wider audience, which I think is important. But it is about looking away from the situations that we find on our new screens and in our Every Twitter feeds day. all the time. Yeah. All through the last few years, I've struggled to stay involved but I don't think that keeping involved has to be the job of entertainment. Mm -hmm. And so while I think that it's not an argument that we need to disengage and distract ourselves entirely from what's going on in the world, the film, the pitch that I'm going to put forward into the final is out of the frying pan. 
Okay. I'm so happy for Chris. Okay. Like, nice. It's just phenomenal. Wow. Sorry, Alex, but that's brilliant. I um, wholeheartedly agree with you, Sam, actually. That there, there are lots of opportunities with lots of films to be getting further and further into the darkness of the world, and there's a lot of <laughs> darkness in the world at the moment. And a brief respite to fill the tank before we yeah. dive back in feels like um, the antidote, doesn't it, really? Mm. Uh, and yeah. I have to confess as well that having heard all of the uh, the lyrics flying freely, mm. uh, <coughs> I knew that it was going to be out of the frying pan from the very beginning. So this entire episode has basically been an exercise in spinning my wheels. But it was a fun exercise in spinning our wheels anyway. Hey, so I'll be right to the cut two hours out of this material. It's just, Shock. hello, Sam, and then you've said it's out of the frying pan. Out of the frying pan. You can make that be, happen in the edit as well. To be <laughs> fair, um, in the first adjudicator heat that we had, the initial idea that, that won that one, which would be going through, which was uh, this train terminates. Same thing. Captured the heart of mm-hmm. the adjudicator. Yeah. Um, ben was all over that. Didn't yeah. He loved it. It didn't matter what came after that. He'd already, <laughs> he'd already made his mind so up. So it was, you know, and, but I, pre- I, I think we appreciate that, that laser focus of the, of the steady hand of the doctor. Yeah, we'll put the short. We'll put the short edit in post credit. <laughs> we'll just go. Hi, I'm Sam. Yeah, about the frying pan. So listen, I, I won't keep anyone here any longer because we've got a final to make and then we've got a trailer to make. So um, uh, just before we... I genu- honestly, I just want to say, when Sean approached me with this, I genuinely didn't think we'd make it to the trailer. So I was like, oh yeah, yeah, sounds like a great idea. What a great premise. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And now we've got to make the damn thing. So. Well, I remember having a musical session. You have to yeah. write a full score for it as well. Like, that's not absolutely just right. Yes, that's exactly <sighs> what I have to do. So let's hope it doesn't win. I love this <laughs> and I want it to win. But to be fair, Chris did a lot of the writing, so yeah. he, can, uh, yeah. he can write the rest of it. He did, so. he did. And I think that's, I think that's why it's, uh, you know, Alex obviously also put a lot of work in, um, but uh, it was the, the songs, the, the little stings of dialogue um and it was it was chris's personality, and the genuine passion it? for it yeah. he had such a his, love for his it his love yeah. and personality and, and the, the things he loved were woven into that idea weren't they like i said i ca- i walked into him because we were sharing a dressing room as he was writing this i walked into the dressing room <laughs> he'd been in there i'd been out for dinner or whatever and i walked in just as it and he went aha i got it and he was so <laughs> happy so I'm um, for that moment alone. I'm glad he's won. We need to when he finds out. Uh, we do we do let them know uh, when he finds out that he's won this one. Uh, we I want him to replicate that. Should we try and get him to replicate that exact thing? Yes, and uh, he should replicate that and then do his thank you because we do the awards, don't we? Yes. The thank you for yes. for the win. Yeah. So we'll um we'll we'll pop that out. Um, yes. Yeah, so Sam, thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. Um, My genuine pleasure. Thank you for having me and letting me act out my uh, basement-dwelling, <laughs> cigar-smoking, three receptionists-having-script-doctor fantasy. It's uh, yes, really appreciated. Always pigeons as well, yeah. Always pigeons. Don't, never forget the pigeons. No, ab- absolutely. I assume, I assume as, 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 you sh- as we all leave and we shut the door, everything just falls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I die beneath the detritus of my own career. After you greenlit our project and everything, yeah. like, that's it. It's gone now. And then, <laughs> and then third George looks down the back of the camera and goes, "Oh, not again!" <laughs> <laughs>
so Sam, people can um, get song by song uh, on Twitter. They can uh, they can find your podcast uh, on any good podcast platform. Podcast and all the band yes, podcast platforms. As well. All of all of the worst ones. That's yeah. where we are. Yeah. yeah, song by song pod on Twitter. You can find me at Sam Pay, where occasionally I will tweet ee and ask them to lower my bill you know it's a, it's, it's a it's a real roller coaster ride of excitement there um but yeah put song by song into your podcast app we're in uh, real gone we'll be moving on to uh, orphans very soon it's uh we're heading towards the end now it's um but there's a lot of material and lots of film episodes as well tom waits has been in a mm-hmm. whole bunch of films some delights book of eli. some real seven films from, is that you're going to touch on seven, seven psychopaths we've done book mm-hmm. of eli will probably be in the cameo episode that we're planning maybe uh-huh. at the beginning of next year but um there's there's, there's a lot of good stuff so, uh, can, so come on over check mm-hmm. it out I want to flip the impressions back. Can you give us oh. a Tom Waits impression, please? No, no, I'm contractually obliged. <laughs> it would demystify ruin the entire I've, podcast. I've spoken, I've spoken about him so often that it's uh, the the only the only one I like to do is the story about him talking to um, Colin Farrell mm-hmm. on Seven Psychopaths, and they were doing loads of stuff. Colin Farrell plays a writer, sort of a version of the uh, what's the name of the guy who made that and in Bruges. Um, oh, Martin McDonough? Yes, Martin McDonough, yeah. Um, and so Colin Farrell's playing a version of this and they're picking out props and he's looking at pens, the kind of pen that he could use as a writer. And Tom Waits uh, wanders over and just looks over his shoulder and goes, oh, I mean, be careful which one you, you pick. Uh, yeah, they're, they're full of stories and, and magic. Oh, yeah. And then wanders <laughs> off. It's not a particularly good impression, but it's no, one of my favourite little low-key... Tom Waits moments where he's not screaming into a microphone. <laughs> yeah. I would have thought he would have said, um, I use whatever one's got ink in it. Can you do that in a Tom Waits voice? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm contractually obliged not to. got ink in it. You know, that's, that's <laughs> a very easy decision for me to make. Okay. <laughs> It's the it's the posture as well I enjoyed, which only we yeah. only we really enjoyed that. But that was a lot of great lot on of, podcast. Lot of shoulders. Yes. Yeah, uh, just but it was a go. delight to come along. Thank you very much uh, for having me. Mm. It was a real pleasure to talk about all no these worries. films and pictures. Thanks very much. So it was nice to get uh, some of your expertise, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, just before we go, Dan and Ryan, quick um, test: uh, What were the previous three winners uh, that go into the pot uh, with Chris Coxon's? Wonderful. This train terminates. This yeah, train no, terminates. That's because it's the only one you know. No, no, I've done mine. I've no, done mine. I've done mine. I can tell Ryan you. Ryan does one and you do one, Sean. Oh, that's how it goes, I know, right? I know all three of them. I know all yeah, three Yeah, I know as well. you do, Ryan, but we're going to put we're gonna put Sean on the oh, spot. No. So Sean's, this put, train terminates. Sean's put us on the spot and oh, I... Hold on, um, I genuinely don't know. There's train terminates. Go for, that's, you that's do number two, one, Ryan. Yeah, what was number two? I'll do... Uh, it was Molle. Um, He's very good. And you know the last one, but we're going to wait for Sean to sweat it out. That was Andrew Fernandez, was it? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And Out of the Frying Pan by Chris Coxon, of course. Over to you, that was number four. That's the fourth one. Number three. I'll give you a clue, Sean. The person is sitting on this call with us in this podcast. What? Did I do it? Is that? No, no, no. Hold on. Was it one of mine? No, I genuinely can't remember. What is it? Hmm. It was it's Dan's winning idea for Fence. Wait, don't tell me fence. it's Fence. It's Dan's <laughs> winning idea for Fence. I know to you're going to try and delay your dream. It's going to be bad here, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 
So the yeah, those are the four ideas that we have. And as Sean mentioned, we will pick one that we think will go in, and then the last one will be a wild card. And then um, the, you can vote for at home. You can vote for. You can vote for it if you socials. go to. You can search at slash dupe on everything. We'll probably put the poll out. Uh, probably mostly on Facebook, but we will have a look at what we can do on Twitter as well. Um, but you can find all of that at slash dupe. We've beaten all SEO, but yes, you can find us all at slash dupe. Uh, and you know, go back and listen to the episodes, much like Sam did. Be prepare for this episode. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Welcome, Sam. It's got to be out of the frying pan. Recorded in the Capo Studios 2022, What's Up, Danger?